Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Welcome back to Mixed Company, everybody. Yo, 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 what up? We are here. Thank you so much for following along with us up until now. Simeon, how are you doing? I am doing okay. A little bit of a peachy dish right now, You're but I will definitely. survive. It's actually not even about you at this point. It's it's not even about you at this point. You're just gross, and you're going to infect everyone. <laughs> so thank you. I thank you. My coworkers will thank you. And I'm sure our guest for today is totally going to thank you. I don't think I'm uh, contagious, but... Everyone says that until everyone at their office starts dropping like flies. And then we know you're contagious. So These things are true. Brendan. What's up? Y'all, we have a guest today. Um, this is Be the care. homeboy, Brendan. What's going Brendan, on, Mixed Company? Brendan is a homie of mine from way back, way back in the day. I guess like 10 years at right least. at this point. Yeah. Freshman week. Shout out to everybody um, that knows somebody that just started college, if you didn't yourself. Shout out to freshman week one time. I know. So Come I, meet all these new people and party for a week straight. Oh, my God. Yeah. I That's think, this week? I mean, No, I it already happened, so. but I just uh, want to shout it out just in like, general. You're, like, your freshman Highlights week. of my life type shit. It was, that was a highlight. So I'm happy to have you here. I'll let you actually go ahead and introduce your relevance <laughs> to this show. Introduce why are you here? Introduce my relevance. That sounds did, like such a heavy task. Why did we ask task. you to be here? <laughs> Well, the well the reason is because Karina is on vacation somewhere. Um, <laughs> the real reason comes out. <laughs> I don't know where she is. If she's if it's somewhere hot. I actually don't even where know is where she? Karina is. I think I saw her on Instagram in Toronto. What? She's at like a um, a she's makeup convention, but I don't know if she's still a there. A makeup convention. Look, it sounds amazing. Quite frankly, I need. I a mean, I guess it depends set. on who you are. How amazing it sounds. I mean, everyone likes yeah, a pretty face. I have to go check her Instagram. Now. Yeah, I mean, no, I do like a pretty face. <laughs> I just, a makeup convention. I've never heard of it. I mean, there are conventions for everything. If you can have a convention for Santa's, you can at least have a <laughs> convention for makeup. I'm also just not into going places that are not. Like, what does the Santa's professional <laughs> development look like? Like, uh, this is how you say ho. <laughs> <laughs> look, there, look, there is a workshop Look, for when everything. the kid sits on your lap, this is what you don't this do. This is what you don't do. Um, well, do us a favor. That, Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, before you, I get into the dirty jokes. What do you do? Right. <laughs> no, was what do you do dirty. for a living? Who are you? What's your life like? Tell us. Uh, my name is Brendan Henderson. I work, I guess I've worked in advertising. I work in publishing now. Um, and I've always worked, well, I shouldn't say always, but for the past while, I've worked in strategy. So account planner, brand strategist, um, creative strategist strategic planner, whatever they call it at your agency, that's what I do. Cool. That's Dope. amazing. So that means that you pretty much are the idea guy, right? Yeah, I'm I'm the uh, inspiration behind the idea. Yeah. So uh, my, idea. my role at my job now is sort of the liaison between our data science team and our creative team um, because we don't have as specialized positions where I'm at now. Um, I'm in the room coming up with ideas, yes, but I am not. I have a creative director. There are creative people around me. Um, it's my it's my job to make sure they are making good ideas and they're making good ideas or having good ideas about the right thing. Absolutely. Um, so making sure they're kind of single-minded in their approach. 
bad strategists make everything go wrong. Yeah. For those who don't know. Yeah, it's um bad input or equals bad output if every you don't time. Wanna be a freaking negative Nancy over there. Good strategists make everything go right. That's 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 <laughs> no that's a good way to put it. Uh, so what happens with um creative and luckily for me I have a good relationship with all my creatives. But um, usually when things go well, the creatives take the credit. And when things go poorly, everybody else takes the fall. <laughs> That's how things go. I don't I know if you... Is that how that goes from the creative side, Simeon? Well, see, I usually like to call it the bullshit at the beginning. So I mean, that's right. I'll say this is a bad brief when it's a... Where is Karina at? Oh, she's in Toronto. She's definitely yeah, in Toronto. Shout out for attention. We'll get started. Um, we have quite a few things to talk about today. Um, and yeah, let's just get into it. We can start with dope-ish. It's my turn. Yay. I'll just go ahead and take it. Um, so for those of you that have kept your eyes to Huffington Post, or at least your ears to the diversity streets, um, <laughs> there was a Huffington Post article um, <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. Like, this is definitely a, a headline catcher for me. Black women are leaning in and getting nowhere. Um, this is funny because this will have, this will, I guess, have some merit in our full conversation as we move forward. But essentially, what this article talks about um, the consulting firm McKinsey and Company, and uh, alongside with leanin.org, um, started publishing um, some data, I believe since last year, since 2015, about the pro uh, progress that women have been making um, climbing corporate ladders in the United States. Um, and, I, and for those of you that don't know, this is a little bit, this has a lot to do with Sheryl, Sandber Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, um, that she released quite a few years ago. Um, essentially, the article just talks about how while women are making progress in their various industries, um, including in creative industries, um, black women um, that they were able to measure, I guess, in this study, are not making the same kind of progress as their um, white woman counterparts. Um, what they noted is that for every 100 women promoted to manager, which is essentially the first step on the track up the ladder, 130, sorry, did I say 100 women? Yes, mm -hmm. for every 100 women that were promoted to manager, 130 men are advanced. Um, however, they also talk about that, that progress starts to decline once you get to director levels for women of color. Um, obviously, I'm not gonna go through and read A, all the studies, or B, this whole article, but I'll say that I don't think there's anything shocking here. I just think that it's dope that we're calling it out. For so long, we've kind of just um, been comparing men in general to women in general and progress that's been made. And people of color versus women of color, um, sorry, people of color versus people that are not of color, I guess. But we're not really calling out, like, are these, pe are these people of African descent? Are these people of Latin descent? Um, are these, you know, are, are they Caucasian people? Like really getting to the nitty gritty. And I think that's what's gonna be most important as we continue to discuss topics surrounding diversity. Like let's get to the core of who's not making progress because those are the people that we need to focus on so they can make progress. Very true. I think it's I won't go into all the stats, but the thing that kind of stood out to me 
manager level, 45% white male, C-suite, 71% white male. So that that tells you pretty much everything you know about the drop-off as uh, as you climb Women the ladder. And as you go into right. everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine last week who is actually an entrepreneur. Um, she comes from she comes from the fashion industry and now she's kind of styling um, on her own and she has a nonprofit but she made a comment to me that she was speaking to what she described as an older white older white rich man who made a comment to her saying you know the black woman's perspective that's what we need to hear more of and I scoffed at it because I'm like I just I would like to say that I feel that our perspective is out there a lot and it has been I think we've had per, we've had publications for decades, such as Ebony and Essence, and it's not the first time that you've seen black women on television. And 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 Shonda Rhimes has her book "Say Yes" that's been out right now and that's been killing it on the bestsellers list. And you hear the perspective. I think what the what's missing is the respect for the perspective. Like you can hear somebody speak all day and tell you their perspective all day. But if it's just gonna go one in one ear and out the other, you're always gonna feel like you're missing it. And I feel like a lot of what Sheryl Sandberg's book talked about were like, you know, lean into conversations, feel like, you know, make sure people know that you wanna be a part of it and, you know, give your two cents when it's needed and don't be afraid to fail. Those are those are things that I, I grew up feeling that were important and you know my mother instilled in me and so on and so forth but I don't and and to and to read a book where it's saying like oh you're not doing it enough it's like well damn how much harder I gotta go and that's where a lot of people found um you know discrepancy where it's like you know I don't necessarily think that your words are for me because I do those things already so I don't know I think it's good I think it's important for us to start finding numbers like it's really hard to find data um around that are that are not generalized and I think of all of the research that I've been looking at in the last few months, like this has been the most detailed. And if anybody has anything even more detailed, please share. We need we need numbers. We need data. Done with the educational stuff. <laughs> Your turn. Oh, my turn. Uh, my dope thing for the week is Solange a seat at the table because it was blackity blackity black 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 black. And that's all I need in my life right now. Yeah, I think I mean. I, at this point, probably listened to the album at least twice a day since it came out. Um, And I'm sure that that will increase as depending on what I see in the news (laughs) and the closer that we get to this election. But I think what this is, okay, so this is where I took it. What people got from the visuals from the Lemonade album, from the um, Big Sister Knowles, um, AKA Beyonce. <laughs> I feel like what people took from the visual album is what you act you actively get from yeah. the audio, the straight audio of Solange's album. Yeah. Um, is very unapologetically black. black. <laughs> and I won't even say, I won't say African American because I think it's just like it's very it's broad. Black. Like if you are brown right like if it's 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 very specific to the black experience in america she speaks about there's one record called scales that i love outside of you know for us by us and that's just a duh but i I felt like the scales track like that chronicles the life of a young man that like he don't have many choices and like what do you do when 
your culture is being perpetuated as something that's fly and that's amazing and so dope, but all of those things that are, are seen in, in a, I guess in a positive light on TV are also considered negative when people look at your culture in the streets. So being urban is only cool if we see it on TV. However, people that are really about that life, like all of a sudden you're a criminal and you're no good for society. And I thought that was really insightful for her to point out the difference in, in that experience. So y'all have been selling me a little bit. So I have not heard the album. Uh, and I know it's well, the big... Everybody we'll looking at me card. like I'm crazy. I guess we'll just take your <laughs> nah, card. Nah, nah, nah. Don't even take my... Well, it's, it's, like, only, it's only four days old, so... Like... You're four days behind. Remember uh, last time somebody missed out on four <laughs> days? Shout out to Meek Mills. <laughs> Shot. He got bodied by a singing dude. <laughs> Getting bodied by a singing Nah, um, so for one, I mean, I'm going a, I'm to a pull the parent card. Oh. I have a son, you know, he's four months old, so I'm I'm usually a couple of days behind on stuff. Oh. Two, like, it, you got to, I can't be the first person to listen to the Solange album. I need some filters before the Solange album gets to me, just because I'm not necessarily a Solange fan. And that's that's real. real. So I would get, I'm getting to it, but y'all are making me put some urgency behind it right now. I mean, I just, just from the, the title of the album... Yeah. Like I think it, like even to your dope thing just a second ago, a seat at the table. Like there's 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 weight in it, mm-hmm. and also the other thing that I took from the album was the fact that it's so unapologetically black, and every single week we have a different, I don't want to call it controversy, but shake up or mix up or whatever as far as cultural appropriation goes. And this album is just one of those things where no one can say I appropriated it by accident. Like you have to actively because there's a line specifically. (laughs) You have to you have to actively. Don't be mad you can't steal it. Right. So there's just be glad you got the whole wide world. You know. There's there's so Mm. much like. That's a line in the album. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) On the on the for us by us. What is this? Uh, where do I have to get it? Do I? Is it? It's Apple, on Spotify. Is it Spotify? Is it Title? It's on all. No, it's exclusive. on all of them. I'll I'm gonna listen to she, it she on Title, just she, off GP, off black GP. owned. Oh, yeah, she wasn't selfish with it. <laughs> I mean, shout out to Bazima over at Apple. I mean, she's working really hard there over you there, know. you know. Um, so yeah. But, yeah, but then also like if you read the article on Saint Haran about like oh the this, one that she put out a few weeks ago. Yeah, like the one with the conversation with her mom, like. There's just like, there's there's weight to this album, and then also like the Master P interludes where he's like talking about. Oh, people sleep um, on Master P, but Master P was. I don't sleep on Master P. Period. But like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, and maybe it's younger people. Like he owns, like he's like true ownership, and I feel like that's what's really important for us to like, just be able to understand the importance of ownership and. I mean, man, we can go in for days, hours, and and years about this, but that's what it focuses on. It focuses on protecting the culture, and that's something that I've I've said often. It's not that you can't share share culture. I think it's most important that you protect your culture and you make people respect your culture. It also touches on black ownership. A lot of times we talk about how, oh, we feel like we can't break through glass ceilings, and that's what we'll be talking about later on in, in the show today. But 
you don't have to worry about breaking through ceilings if you're the owner, if you're the right. one making the rules. You set the bar, you set the ceiling. You break through it and create a new one when you need to. And I feel like that's what's been missing and a lot from our- And you empower yeah. others to do it. And you empower others to do it. And I feel like that's what's been missing from a lot of our conversations surrounding diversity, politics, um, culture, education, prison systems, etc. We don't talk about what we can do to make it better for us. We talk about what other people need to do for us. So real quick aside, on top of that, I, I know Michael Jordan gets a lot of flack for this very thing of not speaking up against, um, you know, racial injustice, inequality, all those sort of things. A couple ago. months ago, he did. Uh, he put out kind of a. It was very um, politically. Hell, you know what I mean? He mm-hmm. he he did it in the it right. Soft. He did it as if he was the president. Like he had to play both sides. Mm-hmm. However, uh, a few weeks before that, Scoop Jackson, who works at ESPN, um, mm, I remember. writes for ESPN the magazine or did before. I uh, hope I'm getting his last name right. His first name is definitely Scoop. But anyway, he wrote an article about how uh, Michael Jordan may not say a lot, but all the executives in the Jordan brand are black. They he, are. He hires the most. I think there was something like there's four um, black executives in the NBA and three of them work for the Hornets. Like he empowers people in a different way because he owns it. So not to absolve him of everything, but right. there are multiple ways to go about it. And that's just one person. And that's how they do it. And I think that's real. That's real as hell. Like, listen, I mean, we talked about it. We talked about it on this show. Mm-hmm. I, I personally cannot join D-Ray at every uh, at every protest that he has. And not to say that I don't want to, but the way my life is set up, like I can't. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I don't care and that doesn't mean that I don't contribute to making the struggle better. And I feel like we do that here on this show and I definitely do that at work with like speaking on behalf of diversity and not just diversity for people that look like me, for people that don't look like me. You know what I'm saying? So like, th- but this album, specific like this is to your point the 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 unapologetic piece is that it completely just calls it out a lot of people have a lot of um people that are indebted to a lot of constituents they have a lot of people that are invested in their growth that if you are going to continue growing you can't you know you can't necessarily bite the hand that feeds you and she talks about that on the record Mm -hmm. also but like this is one of those moments where it's like, I really don't care about anything else. This isn't for anybody to like. This is my perspective, period. It's not political. It's just very honest and emotional. Your emotions don't have much to do with politics. So if you're going to be raw and you're going to be real, you're going to do it. And that's what yeah. she did. That's what's up. We're also just having a really, really, really black year. I mean, Let's like... Let's talk about that, Ashley. Because... Really, no, but like... Black. has been in... Yeah, it, it's... But there's, there's been so much tragedy but there's also like these these are milestones like even though like we're living in it and so we're, we're not looking at it necessarily as milestones but like the national museum of african-american history, history oh, man, just opened they, that's so like we're amidst all the tragedy and bs that's happening and the fact that we're still talking about shit that we've been talking about for hundreds of years like these things I like to celebrate because no, that's real in yeah. 2014 people were saying you know this is the new civil rights movement mm. I, but, I, I agree and I didn't feel it really until because I'm like no we we did the same thing for mm-hmm. 
Genesis, and we did, you know, but we we doing it for a minute. Then. But in 2016, I really felt like, no, this is a whole different movement, yeah. and it has a whole different vibe. Yeah. And you could see it just walking the street. Yeah. Every black person it. you see, hair's grown out. Like everybody yeah. is unapologetically <laughs> black, like just in their living, and it's creating. It, it feels like almost to a. A totally different style like when you see cornrows coming back and like Child, colin kaepernick doing backs. his I thing just let everybody like, know. I used to get it just feels like a whole backs. different yeah you know i mean <laughs> and straight backs made a comeback but i won't be putting them in my head nobody will call me cleo <laughs> shout out to set it off queen latifah was amazing in that but i refuse to get called cleo for another few years of my life that ended before middle school thank you <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, 2016 has been, I think, amazing. I think it's been very enlightening. And I think the most enlightening piece about it for me has just been to see, like, other people, other people, like, are 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 messing with it. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not just black people being pro-black, which I think is progress from civil rights, mm-hmm. where, you know, at the time it seemed like it was just a black issue. And now it's like, this is the people issue. That we want, everybody wants everybody to have pride in themselves, whoever you are and whatever you look like. So we have male feminists, we have, you know, pro white people that are pro black and pro Black Lives Matter. We have black people that are for, you know, we have people in general, straight people that are for, you know, uh, LGBT movements that support people. And I think that is how this is different. Definitely. What's your dope ish, Brendan? Um. <laughs> My dope ish is actually Afrotech. So I don't know if you guys heard, but Blavity, shout out to Blavity real quick. You guys know about Blavity? Oh yeah, I just met that dude the other day. So Blavity is holding an Afrotech conference in San Francisco, November, I think 11th and 12th. Um, and I saw it and you just don't see a lot of, there was like one event for ad week that was like black people in tech mixer, but you don't see like a dedicated conference to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're having, um, Porter right? Braswell, the guy from Jopwell there, um, Erica Baker, who's a sen- senior engineer at Slack. Um, let's see who else is going to be there. Uh, Rashad Drakeford from revolt. He's the director mm-hmm. of uh, content development there. I don't, if you guys ever heard of listener. Yeah. Uh, so the dude Rodney Williams is going to be there as well. So like you know any black person you can think of that's doing their thing that's in tech is going to be there. That's awesome. Um, so just wanted to shout them out real quick. You said it's in San Fran. It's in San Fran, yeah. November 11th and 12th, I believe it is. Um, and then I wanted. To, can I give? I don't know how this works. I don't want to be a, a guest and take. No, I wanted to give like a runner up for oh, dope ish. Oh, go for it. <laughs> I do it all the time. All right. So during. So we're just coming off of Ad Week as we're recording, so it'll probably be a couple weeks out by the time this is this is out. But um, there was there's a coalition that came together called Saturday Morning. Mm. You guys familiar with them? It's all, so Saturday Morning is all of the um, I would say all, but four of the top black creatives in advertising oh, came together with Jimmy. And, yeah, yeah, yeah oh, okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Key oh, car ride. Saturday and, Morning. Yeah. Uh, why Saturday morning? Yeah. Uh, so Sunday morning, they say, is the most divided day in American culture. Um, usually, you know, uh, religion. religion. So that's a, a famous quote by um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, President Obama has uh, reiterated that point. And so they said since Sunday is about division, Saturday is going to be about unity. So it's called Saturday morning. 
and they delivered their peace brief during um, Ad Week. Now, um, they were very, I don't want to say apologetic, but they were very inclusive during their peace brief. They made it clear this wasn't a black thing, even though it stemmed from a black thing. Sure. Um, so it seemed like they were more interested with making it um, digestible. Mm -hmm. So that's why I didn't get my dope ish, but I I gave it the runner up. Yeah, I'm not. I think that's something mine. Digestible things. <laughs> you know, I mean, I we've talked about this before, where it's like I think there's a generational gap in like how we approach that, how we approach diversity. Um, sorry, not diversity, adversity. Um, as a people, mm -hmm. I feel like back in civil rights, like if you talk to your grandparents and even talk to if you don't talk to my parents. Well, maybe not my dad. He really never cared about authority much. But if you talk to my mom, um, there was, there's always, and it actually, I think it even talks about it in the Huffington Post article where it's like, no, it's another article I read. But like, you're, su and you're supposed to just kind of be able to take the blows. You gotta know, you had to know how to take a punch uh, to make progress right. because you didn't want to rock the boat. Um, and if you want people to join your movement there has to be some investment in that and therefore like you can't just be all about black or you can't be all about being latino you have to be like this is about us all i don't think no i know for a fact that our generation i guess our side of of being millennials we really don't care much about that like you're either going to see this for what it is and like be down for the cause because it's this is wrong and we need to make a change or not. And I feel like even when we spoke about, um, if it's called Saturday or Saturday morning before, um, we've spoken about a couple of those guys before mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, we mm -hmm. feel that they're being apologetic. I don't think it's being apologetic. I think a lot of people have been taught or they feel that they have to be inclusive in order to get their movements moving. I personally, don't feel that's the case. I feel like if we're gonna talk about women's issues and let's focus on women's women's issues right. and that's the issue. If we're going to talk about um, black issues and we need to talk about black issues right. and that's what we're talking about. If we're gonna talk about you know Native American reparations and let's talk about that. Let's not right. make it, we have problems, let's fix it. No, this is a problem, One problem A, that's problem B, that's problem C and all of these need to get fixed with different, um, with different solutions. Right. That way we're not bundling people up. You know what I'm saying? Right, and I, and this goes back to something that you said on the first episode, which is if you need to, if you want to fix a problem, you have to be explicit. And That's if why you're, I hate the term diversity, and, and I like the term inclusion. And if you're being apologetic about it, then you're not really being explicit. You're holding things back. You're putting things through a filter. And if you're putting things through a filter, then people are not uncomfortable. And to have change, people need to be uncomfortable. They need to know what they did wrong. This is why parents put children in timeout, because you need to be uncomfortable and you need to know that you did something wrong. Yeah. And that's the only way you change how you right. think. Like, if you're forced to change your actions, but you never change your thoughts, then you're right. just a victim of the system you're in, but you can go somewhere else and free yourself from them shackles and not have changed your thoughts and then be the same oppressive person that you were before and not just that but like you give uh, you give people the opportunity to um they get to internalize things the way they feel like it mm -hmm. or like 
what's the word I'm looking? What what do people do with the Bible? What do you you interpret? Sorry, yeah. interpret. Like you leave room for interpretation when you keep things global. Like mm-hmm. this is about all of the problems. No, what problem are we fixing today? Like we already know as a people. Right. Yeah, it was really hard for a lot of people to like pat their belly and rub their head or whatever. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like we need to be very specific. So I appreciate that yeah. there are movements and I think that there are different ways to have movements. My way is just, you know, let's just kind of yeah. talk about what the the real shit is. But you're but you're also right because I think it is a generational thing. Totally generational. And they're of a certain age group, I would probably say they're in like their forties, fifties. Mm-hmm. Um and you mentioned like there was that generation that was taught to just you take grin and bear, like you grin and bear, and you and then you take your enemy punches. Came out and we said right. fight the power, and all of that went straight to hell. So I don't, I don't know <laughs> if it's generational so much as it. There's just a divide in like a way to think about things. Like that too. There's but I think always going to be divide. a Martin, and there's always going to be a Malcolm. Like. I still, I always feel like there's two sides yeah. to like how we should go about this. But even Martin was specific. There's gonna be Martin was yeah. really specific. Yeah. I'm not saying he wasn't specific. I, so sorry, I, you guys are talking about specifically, you know, broad versus mm-hmm. acute problem solving, which I think I don't want to discredit anything or say Martin was better than Malcolm or anything like that. What I'm talking about is there's gonna be. Uh, a division in terms of how should we go about solving this Agreed. problem um, and I don't think it's necessarily generate like my pops is very explicit like he works in you know, fire and he's a fire chief and he's very explicit we need to hire more black people um, he's never wavered on that um, and no matter what trouble mm-hmm. he's got in over it or whatever has happened he's never said like oh we should hire more diverse candidates that's never been a part of his agenda um so i don't so for me it's not generational it's just there's different ways to think about it so yeah shout out to them i mean i think i still think that it's dope and i heard that ad week is popping and but hopefully none of my friends get married next year the disappointing thing about their the way they set up ad week was the peace brief happened at the same time the ESPN and Jesse Williams panel was going on. So they had the two blackest things of Adweek <laughs> at the same so exact time. Oh, always trying, always like, trying to divide us. Know. Right. They always <laughs> trying to divide us. And so if you were disappointed by the dilution of the peace brief, then you were not happy that you missed the Jesse Williams oh, that thing. Sucks. That's hilarious. I'll tell you, Jesse Williams probably was very, very explicit <laughs> about his perspective. But anyway, that's awesome. So... I'm going to start by saying my bad. We completely skipped over um, listener letters. the listener letter. And that's you got excited. I, we had one. I did get excited. I got really excited. So I'm going to take a step back, and I'm going to um, read this letter from our friend. Um, what am I going to call this person? We'll call her Felicia. No, let's uh, not call her Felicia. Because no, then I'll say, like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> Let's call her Elsie. Elsie's cool. Elsie. It's kind of old school. It is really old school. I have an auntie Elsie, and it's like my grandfather's sister. That's my uh, <laughs> godmother's name. Okay. Um. So Elsie says, I've been working in production for two and a half years, um, and I've worked at two different agencies. When I left my previous agency, I was an associate producer. Now, as I am working at my current agency for ten and a half months, 
I am still at an associate level. So I guess for two and a half years, Elsie's been um, at an associate level. When is the right time for me to ask for a raise or a promotion? I am going to go third. I will go first. Um, I think the, the appropriate time is during review season. Um, now, that's under, that's assuming that your agency has a review season. If they don't, then you should ask for your boss to review you. Um, whenever that, whenever you see fit, like it, and also if you're, note, note that if you, this is sort of like Pandora's box. If you start this conversation, be prepared to hear some shit that you don't like. Um, but yeah, I would say start there. It's analyze, I think you should analyze first what you've done. Have you worked on a significant enough amount of projects for someone to actually review you and say, all right, cool, you're actually contributing something to this team. Uh, let's sit down and talk about promotion and raise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would start there. Like, if you have a review, se- a review season, then it's waiting for that review season. Review season. Um, there are obviously exceptions to the rules. There are exceptions everywhere because people make exceptions for people that they like. And this is something that I've learned over and over and over. So if there isn't a review season, then you should prepare yourself and actually your boss to review you and ask for what you want. Uh, so if the question was, if I'm correct, when when is the right time to ask for it? Mm-hmm. The right time to ask for it is whenever you have compiled enough information to prove your case. So um, to Simeon's point, if you've worked on those projects and you just need to write it up, then as soon as you write it up and make a clear case of the value that you have, then that's the time. If you look at the um, the job description of a line producer or whatever the next step is for you and you say you know what there's this thing missing then ask to be on those projects put yourself so people understand that you have uh, a desire to move up a lot of times you know people aren't going to what I found out people aren't just here to promote you (laughs) like they need to know that you a want to be promoted so there might be a um and i'm not sure you know what the what the listeners situation is specifically but there might be a process of first alerting your manager that you feel like you're ready for a promotion then getting uh understanding from them you know what it is that's the difference between you and a producer and filling that gap and so whenever you have enough experience and information to prove your case then that's the point when you ask for it. Um, so like I say, it's more raising your hand, uh, understanding what the next level is, raising your hand saying you want to be at the next level, and then if there's any gap between it, closing the space. Yeah, and then also, like, I have this theory where, um, well, it's not even a theory, it's probably a fact. Most managers can't manage. Um, oh, a lot yeah, of pe- A lot of people have been promoted because they do great work, but they're not great managers. Um, and so if you're... How do I put this? You should be proactive about managing your manager. And so that's, and that's, so that means that you, if you're feeling like this, then call a meeting for like every four to five months and like get feedback on what your work is so that you can gauge what's, where you stand. 
Um, so yeah, that would, that would be just be an add-on to that. And I would say like if this person is at um, an established agency, generally speaking, there's a talent matrix for every department. So in production, they'll say this is uh, AP versus a producer, and they'll you can clearly see what they think are the differences. And it's just raising your hand. I mean, Simi, you make a good point. Nobody. Nobody is training the managers to manage. They're only training them to do their job more, right. not better or help other people do it or understand people's careers goals. None of that is really happening mm -hmm. in our industry from what I've seen. Um, so people are just given the title of manager just because they were good yeah. at doing their <laughs> job, which makes no sense. Kai's turn. Yeah, I mean, I agree <laughs> with all of that. So I... Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with anything anybody said. I feel I got some advice recently that was really um it was insightful and mainly because I uh, to, to to be transparent. So I I went <laughs> for anyone that's in New York listening to this. I went to BBQs um for some sticky wings with um Tasha who was on our guest on episode 10. Um, it was just for our general, you know, let's check in, let's see how things are going, let's talk, let's, you know, let's have a moment together. Um, and I was telling Tasha, you know, I'm like, honestly, the only thing that I've ever valued as as marking my progress um, in my career has been money and title. And that, quite frankly, I wasn't sure on what else I need to be asking for, what else I need to be looking for, because if that's all I'm valuing, like, obviously that becomes motivation for skipping from agency to agency. And she made a good point calling out, um, she's like, you ever you ever work for somebody or work under somebody or work with somebody and you look at them and you're like, how the hell did this person get this job? <laughs> like they can, they barely know how to do basic functions for your discipline. They barely know any terminology. They're not good at like simple things, responding to emails, taking ownership, you know, when, when shit goes wrong and it's everybody else's fault and they don't know what they could have done better. Um, she was like, you know, you don't want to be that person. And that a lot of times, a lot of times, and not saying that this, you know, this is the situation of this person, but a lot of times you're just ready for more money. You're not necessarily ready for what comes next or what responsibility comes next. So a couple of things she was saying to start to look at in the event that you're working at a place that you really love um, or that you're comfortable at or that they give you pretty much everything you need except for the title and the raise um, for whatever reason, whether it's budgeting reasons, whether it's there's a cap or whether they're just going through a, a shitty economic time and, and not to say that that's what I'm going through or just disclaimer, <laughs> not to say that's anybody in particular, but her point was there are other things that could be useful to you. For example, I mean, we spoke about conferences last um, last episode, and those conferences are not free, and not everybody funds them. But there is an educational value for both you as a person, or there can be an educational value for you as a person um, and a professional and for your agency for you to take part in, to go learn what other people know to bring back information. So that's something that you can negotiate if you know, you do decide to go with your list of all the reasons why you deserve a promotion and you don't get it. She also talked about, you know, I mean, what kind of attention do you want to bring to yourself and to your agency? Are you looking to be a thought leader? 
if you're looking to be a thought leader, then this is a great opportunity to start negotiating, hey, I want to have a seat at tables. I want to be a part of panels and I have an opinion and I'd like to write for whatever blogs or, 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 or things like that that your company takes part in because I want my voice to be heard and I want to be, um, I want to, I want the investment to be building my profile as well alongside the profile of the agency. Um, she also talked about, do you want to go back to school? Like, what are some other things that you can negotiate in the event that you go ask for a promotion, ask for a raise, and they're saying not right now? Because whatever the case is, no matter how long you've been someplace, the biggest thing is what value can you bring to them now and what value can you bring to them in the future that would make somebody want to either give you more money or spend more money on making sure that you, you're able to climb ladders. Right. So just something to consider. Two things I'll add in. Um, just you guys know in agency world, sometimes you need to go to grow. You just got to switch agencies and really prove yourself um, in that way if they don't have the position available. And the second thing I'll add in, which I forgot, which is some really good advice that I've gotten as far as me doing my self-assessment for review time is eliminate all emotion from the self-assessment or whenever you're making your case, whatever platform you have. Not, I think I did great. I feel like this was impactful. Um, this really meant it like factually what happened, what did you do and what was the result of it? Yeah. Um, that's the stuff that you know people pay attention to. So yeah, so that's it for listener letters. All right, so for Hot Topics today, we're talking about pretty much climbing the ladder. Um, and we've talked about, we talked about, I guess we kind of touched on this a few times in other um, episodes. We've talked about this in different forms as, as we, you know, discuss diversity. But I think at this point, so Simeon and I, we're both senior level, just senior level title. And Brendan, your title right now is AC or a associate director. Associate director. Yep. So I think the best thing about this conversation is that, uh, based on the Huffington Post article and other articles that we've all read, people reference a glass ceiling, right? And and I think actually in episode ten, when Tasha was here, Simeon mentioned not seeing a lot of black men um, at at a more senior level than you are to be able to find as a mentor, mm-hmm. right? I think what would be great for conversations for us to kind of talk about, like, what is it like kind of climbing this ladder? Like, none of us are here just to get, I mean, yes, we want money, and that might be 70, 80, 90% of why we do our jobs, but I think there's a gratification to climbing the la- a ladder and feeling like you've mastered something within your career. So, um, so yeah, anything you want to add before <laughs> I jump into these questions? I mean, for me, there, there's this, I don't know, maybe it's a little narcissistic, but when you're sitting at a table and you feel like you're the smartest person at the table, it, it there's an innate feeling like I should be at the head of the table. And that's just, that's just the reality. Like when you, you bring something to the table and people respect it and, and they use it and it generates results you want to go higher like i mean like this yeah, i mean you want to climb like nobody gets in a karate just to stay a white belt the whole time you want to get a yellow and an some, people and a some people do some people do 
You're right. Some people you are do. Right. Some people do, but there's a good, there's a, there's a decent number of us. There's a big chunk of people in life that want to progress, like that we are chasing. We are, we are chasing a goal, and it's the journey that's exciting. And just working is not good enough for everybody. You know, I, I had this thought the other day. I'm not sure if it's actual English or not, but um, this idea of like people, this conversation about the C-suite and people climbing the ladder, I'm sure it's always been around, but I feel like this generation, everybody feels like they're heading to the C-suite. Does that that make sense? Yeah, I do. I know exactly what you mean. It's the whole thing of First of all, millennial entitlement. Second of all, I was told I could be anything I want to be, and why would I want to be anything else but the, the best, boss right? of right. everything? But at the same time, I think what I think maybe what you were saying, as far as some people want to be the white belt, I don't think people want to be the lowest rung all the time. But a lot of people like the work itself. A lot of people don't like managing the right. process of the work or right. the people in the work. People want to do dope shit, not talk about it and talk about how we do it and make, you know, I mean, the budget for it and the process of it. A lot of people want to create things versus like be at the top making decisions of how we're going to create them. And I think that's fine. I don't I don't I don't negate that. And, I, mm-hmm. and you know what? We've had Simeon and I've had this conversation conversation like offline plenty of times because and, and I've said it to a couple of people. I never realized I am that child you speak about that I was told that I could literally be anything I wanted to be. And so much so that Ricky, that's my dad, Ricky (laughs) would actually say to my brother and I, I don't ever want to hear you say you're number one. What What do you mean? Oh my gosh. You have to be the only one. So that's something that he instilled in us. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Well, what I've decided that it means, because I'm still not clear based on his his judgment, but it's not about, you can't just be number one, because if you're number one, there's a number two that's always there to take your place. Mm-hmm. It's about creating a space for yourself where you are so valued that you cannot be removed. And I think, you know, for me, that's always chasing the top. That's always chasing the best. And yes, you're absolutely right. When I'm having a conversation with a, a coworker of mine and, and realizing that, she was like, you know, I don't necessarily want to manage anybody, ever. I actually really just want to do this. And in this country, we do and not value fine. that track. Right. In this, in this, maybe it's only the industry, but I feel like it's countrywide. I do too. We do not value the guru track. We only value the ma- because it's all about power, power and not about expertise. Right. And I think a lot of people think they want the power, and really they just want to get paid more for their expertise. Right. Mm. I agree with that as well, and I think. Yeah, I think that is what it is. Are you an expert at this or are you in power? And both of those things are super like important to building an organization, but identifying like who you are to this organization and what your goal is. My goal is to be either to be the best producer I can be or my goal is to one day help run this country this this country. Come <laughs> 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 <Kind of> president. <laughs> Shoot, listen, at the way things are going, y'all, I can sign up in the next, like, three elections. I can really make this happen. Do you think? But um, no, that you're either, you're either the person that's really mastering your discipline or you're the person that is going to help lead the organization 
to its next step so today we're talking about the people that want to leave the organizations one day to get to their next step or at least to grow to a specific to a specific um, level in their discipline Go ahead. So I'm just going to throw this in and I don't know what's going to happen with it. But in our industry in particular, where we are at the end of the day, no matter what your position is, you are, you know, you're paid to help in a creative output of some sort. Mm -hmm. And the egos in our industry are about, I did that thing. Mm -hmm. And because of what we just talked about, people who want to, you know, go through the ranks and, and, feel like they're in charge of everything, that's how you get bad creative directors who steal your ideas because they're actually not working on anything anymore, but they still have to be relevant. They still need a book to go out into the world with. And so that's why they take your stuff Hmm. as a junior creative because they're not involved anymore. And if you think, I mean, the quote, heavy is the head that wears the crown is real. If you have to be worried about your budget and the process and how you interact with this team and everything like you don't have the space anymore to be that grown up kid and have that candor and your creativity to do the things that put you in that position. So that's why you get people under you that are talented and yeah. you take their stuff. Or not just that's some, opinion. Like that's opinion. Yeah. But like I've seen some it. People are like organizers and, I, and, and yes, like one, one could argue, well, that's what project managers and producers are for. But for me, like, and I hope nobody that works with me listens to this and like <laughs> takes it too seriously because I really do like my job. Caveat, um, caveat, caveat, caveat. caveat. <laughs> but I've always been the person that wanted to organize the team to make the things happen because I've and I've always said like I don't necessarily think that I don't necessarily think that I am that um, skillful in anything if that makes sense and that's I, and. Every time I think people are like, oh, don't talk about yourself like that. No, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from the things that I'm good at, but I'm just good at them. And I know other things that I'm kind of good at, but I know what it looks like to make it the best. And I also know that there are other people that can do it better than me. You know, like, and there's that kind of like mindset to saying, I know what the best looks like, and to set those things up. And I think that those that's what managers and leaders do. Meanwhile, the people that kind of work and keep working at at getting that, you know, like I want to be the master sensei of copywriting or I want to. Never in my life, ever. Have you ever wanted to? No. Really? No. But Kaido, I think you hit on a really (laughs) good thing, though. Really? You don't want to be that good? Because I I know you don't want to manage. I know you just like. I, I would actually be okay managing. Would you? Just put him in the box. Every day. Step right outside of it, though. For me, like I stumbled into copywriting. My my whole thing has always been about ideas. So, copywriting is just how I manipulate people to buy into my ideas. Um, Manage. Here's a. And I was just having a conversation with um, politically correct term. Some women at my job the other day. (laughs) females are the girls they're women so i was i was having a a conversation with them the other day and they were complaining about their boss and i think feel like we just had this conversation a couple minutes ago um where 
and this also ties into your conversation, Kai, about who's who's at the top and who's a manager, mostly white men, right? right? And when you think about the path that these white men have taken, there hasn't been a lot of pushback. They've been coddled through their career, not all, but many, have been coddled through their career, and they haven't received the critical feedback that is necessary to grow in a 360 holistic manner. And so for people like us who have had to fight and scratch and, and pull and whatever to get to just this level, there is a, hmm, there's value in that. And that's what can make you, uh, or what I feel like can make me a good manager. It's, it's, it's empathy. Like there's, there's, there's something in. I don't even know what the fuck it is. I'm sorry. I'm out of. I'm out of it today. But uh, there, there's something in going through that situation where you can. No, I'm lying. Forget. Well, it. Scratch, I, scratch I, everything I, I that I just said because because I, I hear where you're going. Everybody can't process. Touch, and I want to touch yeah. back on that as we get into. Like I want to. Talk, I want to talk about this from a general perspective, mm-hmm. and then I want to get down to women, and then I want to kind of loop this back into like what came up, came from that Huffington Post article, because right. there were a lot of pieces in there that pointed out kind of what you're saying, and like that, like let's not even make it about semantics, because maybe it's not coddling, but maybe it definitely is like access and like no pushback, and whatever that pushback looks like, whether it's people just assuming that you are powerful by the way you look or assuming that you can lead based on how you look and therefore allowing you to kind of skating along the way, you know, some of the, so, some people let kids do in the school system. Right. But I want to get to that. But coddling may not be the word. It's, it, I don't think uh, that's the word, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they, ha- they use a good right. thing here that I'll, I'll want to get to. Yeah. But let's start at the top, right? So we can talk about ceiling. So the first thing that happened, the first thing that, we discussed often when, when we're having conversations about like, you know, yeah, climbing the ladder, everybody wants to climb the ladder, the people that do want to climb the ladder, yeah, I want to do it, but there's a glass ceiling. Everybody talks about this arbitrary glass ceiling that none of us have ever physically seen, physically touched, or whatever. Um, does it exist? And I feel like maybe I might even be asking this question to the wrong crowd, but I think it's worth the discussion, because there are people that feel like it's a, gl- a glass ceiling is nothing but an excuse. No, I think it definitely mm-hmm. exists, and it's called glass for a reason because there are people who have broken through it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I wouldn't say I've never physically seen it, but I have felt it, and I have been in a room where it has been palpable, and I think it where that ceiling lies depends on what you do right Hmm. so if you are um in strategy let's just say there are not a whole lot of black planners in the industry like i've met very few and far between and for you to be a respected planner you have to be a creative which people in general can believe you are creative but b you have to be able to design research studies qualitative and quantitative you have to be able to interpret and analyze the effectiveness in the studies the results of those and interpret the results 
to have impact on creative decisions. There is not a lot of faith given to black people in those positions that they can handle the research part of it. And that ceiling is very real and you can hear even the line of questioning that like, um, who do you think you are? How do you think you're qualified to evaluate these things? And when I look at it, um, it is because of how I look and who I am. So I think that's very real. I think um, number two is they will give you the position, but they won't give you the money that the position uh, requires or demands on the market. So I think, you know, right. They want to keep you. So they will make sure that, you know, not make sure, but if you're doing your job and you're doing it well and you're, they can check you off as a diverse candidate, generally speaking, they want to have you around, but they're not saying that you are worth or deserve what your white male counterparts receive as far as their salary. So the ceiling, I think in salary is probably even more real than, um, in position but I'll open it up to uh, what you guys think on it but that's my take so maybe we should I think you're accurate um, but you I think you Kai you started this off with the question like is it real so it's I think for some people they may even need for that term the glass ceiling to mm. be defined and for me, like, and you're, since we're using this this term, uh, climbing the ladder, I think for those who are wondering what it looks like is when you're when you're climbing and you keep bumping into something that you can't see. It's like an invisible force field that is now that is not allowing you to get to the next level, regardless of what you do, whether you move the ladder to a different point in the room or you put it in a different room, like you keep climbing and something is preventing you from getting to that next level. And you will notice when you've reached it because everybody around you will be uncomfortable that you even think you should be right. past the point that you are. And and you, and I think to that- Cross out all of the, if I checked, checked off all of the boxes that I needed to check off, then to me, that's me saying like, I deserve it. You know what I'm saying? I just want to say that to people right. like what you see is the reality now I'm not saying nobody looks through the world through rose-colored glasses mm -hmm. I'm sure we some all do. do some people are very optimistic and I myself am an eternal optimist um, and that's to my benefit and to my detriment depending on how I use it but I will say you are not crazy and the reason I say this is because I've been in situations where people have been looked at me like I had seven heads when I'm trying to figure out how do I get to that next step and I've done the same thing been my same self with my same you know work ethic and uh, habits and whatever at a different location and it's been welcomed and it's been what else can we do to make sure you're good yeah. and it so you're not crazy but the system around you may not be set up for you to succeed and may not even understand why you feel like you deserve to which is a crazy thing to say, but it's reality from what I've seen. And even from a point where, like, it goes back to experience. So, I mean, the reason why I asked the question is because a glass, to me, a glass ceiling is very subjective. Like, it's, yeah, it's subjective, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, because it I'm all like, Subjective or objective? It's subjective. Right. And, and it's because we're all, I think most people will face different ceilings 
and the ceilings are set up based on expectations. And expectations aren't necessarily spoken about often. Um, they're definitely not written down in books, but it's well, just based on what I think about you or how I feel about you, can you do the next job or can you can you do the next thing? Um, I've always been able to, to move up um, based on like merit. Like I, 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 I can't say that I've had trouble finding jobs. I'll start with there. But I know a lot of people that say, it doesn't matter how many agencies I apply to, no matter how many jobs I apply to, I just can't get a job. That's a glass ceiling that I don't have an experience with. So it's, therefore, it's, I would look at it and be like, well, you sure you did your, your resume right? Did you, did, you, did you update your LinkedIn properly? Like, But is that a glass ceiling, though? I think it is a glass ceiling. I think have they ever on, worked? Have they ever worked in yes. the industry? Yeah, I'm talking mm. about I'm talking about people we know well. I know well. <laughs> When it's like, oh, well, I don't know why I can't get past the interviews, or I don't know why I can't do this, or I don't know why it's taking me so long. And I'm like, there's definitely a, a barrier to entry in certain places, whether it's the industry or different mm. agencies right. or whatever. And that has to do with, to me, discriminatory um, hiring practices yeah. when people worry about things like, not is he qualified, but did he have the polish necessary or subjective things like that versus merit? I think within um, an agency and you're looking for that next step, if you're looking for that promotion or you're trying to figure out how do I get from manager to senior, how do I get to director, how do I get to VP, whatever it is, that to me is we like you, we want to keep you around, you're good for the place, however we do not um, put the same value in your skill set or your expertise or your even um, you know relationship building whatever it is we don't put the same value in it that you do right so my point is that it's subjective because my experience climbing the ladder or getting entry it may not be the same as other people oh absolutely so that's why I'm asking the question yep. like do you like have I felt thus far that it's been hard for me to climb a ladder not yet but I am aware that there, there that there has to be a point where it's like you know, like you're you're gonna hit a wall at some point where it's kind of like, what is that wall? Is it? And I guess the second part of the question is like, is it for? Does everyone have a ceiling? I think most people have a ceiling of their own. So to your point about glass ceilings being subjective, I think to me, like you just because you're you're looking at it also from entry. I'm like I see glass ceilings as you've been working someplace you feel like you have proven yourself. You've worked on X, and this even goes to the um, listener letter, like you've proven, your, you feel like you've proven yourself. You've done this and you've done this and you've done that and you've been successful. And you feel like that success says that you should have more responsibility or more money or a higher title. And someone is saying, no, that is, and regardless of what you, and if they, and if they say, well, this is what you need to do to get to that thing that you want and you do it and then they say no you're still not ready and then they say well we want to see you do this and then you do that and they say no you're still not ready it's and if any if you're familiar with the term gaslighting it's basically like someone messing with your sanity mm -hmm. like you're you're doing things and you you feel like these things should have a certain result and 
every single time that you do it, mm-hmm. you keep getting the same result. When you know that somebody told you that there should be a different result, that if you do this on this project, that it'll be different for you. Like you will get to that next level and you do that thing and it doesn't happen. I agree. So it's, I, I, yeah. but to, again, like mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll still stand by it. I think that it varies from person to person. Like right. I think, I think what you described is repeatedly hitting a, a glass ceiling. I think the first time you don't get it and you absolutely deserve it is the ceiling. Like no matter how many times I've asked for it, like I've checked every box um, of all the things that I need to do to get to the next step and come review time, I'm still not considered, initially considered for for promotion or for moving toward a next step or whatever. To me, that's the glass ceiling because if I've done everything you've asked me to, everything that you told me I needed to do to get to the next step and I'm still not eligible, to me that's showing that there's discrepancy in like what progress should look like if I'm still not good enough right. after you after I did what you told what me. What I do. found though, and sorry to cut you off, but no, what sorry. I found is it really matters who your manager is and how much agency they have right. in the agency overall. Right. So if you have uh, a manager and to use a word from episode 10 I think it was and they are as well your sponsor they will figure out a way for you right. to be happy to grow to figure out what your path is and all that if you have a manager that is um, you know just one level above you and tease you as competition if you have a manager which I've had where it's apparent that you've never managed anyone who was black much less a black male with excuse me, with a beard or, you know, those type of things where you're intimidated, you don't know what to say and what not to say. Right. You would rather not deal with it than deal with it and blame it on something else. So if you have a manager who has perspective and is respected, then that conversation and that experience goes a lot differently. That's right. why I want to tell people they're not crazy. It just right. depends on the situation you're in. So so here's the thing. Uh, and, and this, for me, when we talk about the glass ceiling, there's... It, it is about the manager, right? So there's there's the manager aspect, but then there's also, when you talk about people breaking through the glass ceiling, you are talking about the onlys, and, and I think Sean Jerome says that in her book, like the first, uh, what, what is the first, the FODs, what is the first only other or different? Yeah. So it's those people who have broken through the, the thing that is across the industry. So for right. a, for advertising for women, it's you don't see a lot of female creative directors. So those women who become creative directors are they've broken through the glass ceiling. Right. And I think w- when I was talking about my definition of the glass ceiling, this you're climbing up this ladder, and regardless of you taking that ladder and moving it to a different point in the room, you still keep hitting the same barrier. And even if you take it and you put it in a different room, right. you hit the barrier again. So it's there, there is a manager aspect to it, but it's also, it's just industry wide. It's, it's, it's an epidemic. Like everyone keeps hitting. Everyone who looks like you, who shares your same experiences, keeps hitting the same invisible barrier. So it's, it's individual, but it's also a collective experience. I agree. So, so let's let's switch gears a little bit right now. Like, how does culture play into this? Because, yes, I think that your man, like 
management, whoever your supervisors or superior, whatever, they play a role in it. But what happens if or when their hand is tied? Like, what are some other factors that can play into? And when you say teams? culture, do you mean the culture I bring to the table or the culture that I'm working within? Uh, company the, culture. You, you corporate s- culture. You said that your manager's hands are tied. Yeah. I don't think that there are any, approvals. What are you right, talking there, about? there, there are definitely approvals, but and I think one thing that we've all seen across the board when it comes to these industries, which are very subjective, is there are exceptions to every rule, and you will see these exceptions, and these exceptions usually they revolve around people who look a certain way. Right. Well, that's why I said it. That's why I said it matters how much power your manager has. Um, if you are managed by somebody with power, they enable those exceptions. Right. If you are managed by somebody without power, they are told that it is the rule and there are no exceptions. Um, so you need somebody in that, you need that sponsor, whether it's your manager, whoever it is, to come before you. And it is actually um, not a great situation to be in for somebody like myself who is, uh, you know, I am secure in myself and very confident and to the borderline of like I don't need somebody else to validate my own you know you don't have to vindicate my own validity Mm -hmm. I am here I am me and I am enough but when you're in this system (laughs) when you're in this situation though (laughs) where somebody (laughs) right but at the same time when you work within I think this is what you're getting at a company culture where you're not or they haven't seen that before you need almost someone to be your sponsor and say no this person is and it goes I mean that happens way before it's time to have that promotion right. conversation because mm-hmm. the way if you're in a room with somebody the way they introduce you to talk the way like all that stuff matters if you're in a room full of important people and they say hey I brought this person in to be this this voice or he leads this for our team even if that's not it has nothing to do with your title it's just people listen to how respected you are compared to this person in power okay that's somebody i need to watch out for because what generally happens is that agencies they have a director and up meeting right and they talk about everybody in the agency and they say this is how this person compares to this person this is who we're going to give a promotion to but if somebody's seen you in that position not necessarily in power but respected by somebody in power like, oh, that's somebody we need to watch out for exactly. to make sure he's good. But you know what? I think it, it actually happens before that. It, okay. it happens on a weekly basis because every week, and it all depends on your agency, but every week there is an allocations meeting. And depending on your agency and how many projects you have, but if you're at a bigger agency and you have allocations meetings, there are people sitting in the room who are looking at the projects and what needs to be done and they're talking about you. And people are saying, I feel like that person would be good over here, and I feel like that person can handle this, and I feel like that person can handle this. And so it happens then, where people are constantly bringing your name up to say that you can do X, Y, and Z, and that's really- They are linked, let's be clear. Like With allocations, they are definitely linked to those conversations that you're having with like, basically, oh, you have your favorites. You know who you want on your projects. You know who you get along with. And I think what you're talking about is are are um, those 
characteristics or that persona that's being created about you behind closed doors Mm -hmm. about why we want x person on this project to do x y and z tasks Mm -hmm. are also carried into those conversations that brendan's talking about it like this is how this person is growing look about how look at how well they work with such and such team and how much they've been raving about them i think all of that is is right it's it but it's not the end all be all because how many times have we seen people that get put on all the projects and they've been a art director at said uh, agency, experiential agency, for 10 years with no growth, no nothing. You so, know what I'm saying? But the other thing, too, is like who's in those allocations meetings? Your producer, from, generally. Your from, producer. My, from my perspective, it's a producer, maybe someone from the operations team. Mm-hmm. And but the Your creative boss. the creative director's in yeah, that in meeting, mm-hmm. so he's the person who's saying this person should. Be, so if somebody is like, you know, if the creative director is advocating for you and saying, no, don't put him or her on this, put her or him on this marquee yeah. project. The Meanwhile, operations the person in that is meeting is like is pushing back, like no, we want da 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 da. That's what I'm saying, like. That conversation is 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 happening, but the person or the people that need to make the the, the decision for your promotion may not be the ones um, really making the decision. So like they go together, but they don't necessarily move each other's hands. I guess I would say. No, you're right. You're right. I think that. But I think it's a good point. They're 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 all linked. Like it's it's not there isn't like this. There's that meeting where people start talking about who deserves promotion, but it's everything is is it's incremental and it builds right. on each other. It, it, it's a right. build, so it's like if they're not talking about you from day one. And I think going back to that listener letter, where if you start having these gut checks with yourself, like you're not, you're feeling like you're not on certain projects. You're feeling like you're not getting the respect that you deserve. You're feeling like you see other people and this and this goes back to the glass ceiling is for the ceiling to be glass you can see other people rising above you right so if you see other people doing things that you want to do and you feel like there is a barrier that's getting in your way that's that's not allowing you to um to do those things that other people are doing then you need to start having those gut checks with your manager because your manager is is in those meetings and your manager is probably saying, I don't think that person would be good for this project. Unless your manager is, for, like, I mean, I guess, to me, that's why culture is important, right? Mm-hmm. Because one would think, well, yeah, duh, your manager is the one that has to recommend you. But what, what, there are times when a manager is advocating for you and the powers that be above or around that manager are just like, nah, son, we don't see it. That's why you have to know how much power your, your manager is not the end-all, be-all. You, know you have to realize who is. You know what's is. funny? I'm gonna even, I'll even take it back to a, to an interesting conversation we had with a colleague of yours, Mine? who may or may not be one of my favorite people in the world. Oh, okay, I know this. <laughs> Go ahead. But like, her point was valid, and her point was real as hell. Like, I'm, you, what you're talking about is what we generally look to. Well, I'm going to be the best worker I can be for my manager. But there are a whole bunch of other people that have stake in your progress and your promotion. So it doesn't matter how cool with you you are with your manager or how cool uh, 
you think your manager may or may not be with somebody else, if there are other people that could have a hand in your growth that you're not paying attention to, and that's culture, that, that goes back to this question, like culture plays a lot into it. Because if all it takes is one person to not get along with your manager, all it, takes, all it takes is your manager to decide, hey, you know, I got a better opportunity. I'm out, you or, know? Or you. Because, or and, you. Because I'm thinking back to that conversation that you're, that you're talking about. And the example that she gave, which was, and to give full context to the, com- to the conversation, she was talking about someone who I believe was probably two levels below her or something. Something like that. It was a junior person. Her manager... That person's manager was her, what's the other one? Reported to her. And so when that person came up for review, he didn't get along with her and she denied his review. And shout out to culture because, even, it, and right. even though old girl did everything, she, at the time when you're just getting in the industry, oh, I need to, if there's any ass Man. I need to kiss, it needs to be my boss. And it's like, yeah. You should right. probably know some other people too. Yeah. You're not gonna know that unless you're told that. And I think that that culture plays a, a deep part into that. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about these people that actively break through ceilings. And I think this is a good piece of the conversation as we are watching, we are all closely, whether we want to or not, um, tied and forced to watch many of the um, crazy things. Shout out to the sink in the background. But all the crazy things happening with this election, and and regardless of what your political, I don't know, your political preferences are, glass ceilings have been broken as early as 2008, and just um, getting uh, HRC, yeah, you know me, to this level to, to, I guess, be in the primaries for a presidential election, those are glass ceilings, but mm-hmm. just because you get one person to break through a glass ceiling, do we should we be considering that the exception, or are they actively or actually creating a path? They are the exception, and, and until it becomes the norm, they're the exception. President Obama, the exception. Hillary Clinton, the exception. Uh, all girl who wrote. Lean in. I'm sorry. Cheryl Sandberg. Cheryl Sandberg, the exception. These people are notable because they are the exceptions to the rule. That's true. There are hundreds of white men who are in the same position as Cheryl Sandberg who no one knows. And the reason why you don't know them is because it's the norm. Because it's the norm. They're the exceptions. So then there goes like, did you? Before I jump in there. Yeah, I mean, my my point was they. It depends on how they got there. I hear what Simeon's mm-hmm. saying is it's not. They are the exception until it's the norm, and factually and by definition, that is correct. But I do think it matters how they got in that position because if they got there by sacrificing themselves and you know pulling the ultimate coach switch, I didn't want to go and, there. Right, and you know doing the dance and shaking the hands, there aren't a lot of people who can come behind you and do that because you created a path for yourself that wasn't authentic to yourself. If you did it and showed that there is a different way to do it, that's that's a difference. Like if you do it by doing it their way, 
then you will always be the exception. But if you show them that there's a different way to do it, then that opens the door a little bit more. Now, whether or not people accept it, because they're, so there's the, like, we have to change how we think about culture, but only reason I'm changing is because this person in particular is super talented mm-hmm. and super skillful. So you have to have that mix for somebody to respect it. Mm-hmm. But I do think it matters how you got there. So, and to that point, and I think it also talks, when you were talking about culture, I think you were probably mm-hmm. hinting at that. I have two stories. Oh, One is... <laughs> when you when you when you talk about those people who've broken through the glass ceiling, so like five years ago, I think there were probably like four black dudes who were executive creative directors, like VP, right? I happened to meet one of these people, and the the full story is, I met him at a portfolio review, and this is probably more this is more than five years ago, but I met him at a, a portfolio review and. There was, let me think about this. In front of me in line at this portfolio review were like five white kids. These white kids sat down at the table with this black dude who was one of like four of the dudes at his level, all people who broke through this glass ceiling. They were notable because they were the few. At major agencies working on major clients, creatives. Uh-huh. White kid sat down, and this dude was like, oh my God, so nice to meet you guys, blah, 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 oh my God, this is amazing. Five white kids on one portfolio. Black dude in front of me sits down, and he just starts reaming into him from the minute that he sits down. Mm-hmm. Watch it out like it's your book. Mm. Opens his book, this shit is crap. Why would you even bring this here? You know there's a- there's <laughs> Not a, there's, that devil. <laughs> <laughs> this like, shit is crap. Like, well, pick one. Like, listen, like, no, it, like, it happened. So, and and he basically, like, started reaming into the dude from the time that he sat down, right? Right. So I sat down, and he tried some, like, similar shit with me, whatever. But the conversation switched because I called him out. I was like, yo, those white kids just sat down in front of you, five kids in one book, and you basically just wanked them off, right? So, but to that point, he made one comment that will, I will never, ever forget, which is, how would it look if I hired a bunch of black dudes? Mm. So, Who spoke about this recently? Karina spoke about this. Was it last episode? She went through this. We, <laughs> well, where she was speaking about an HR person that she had dealt with, and they said, we need to kind of like be moderate as to how many people of color we let in oh. here, because what's going to happen if we just well, let a whole bunch of people of color in here? Yeah. It's going to make all the other people uncomfortable. So, yeah. So and people say these things out loud. People so, that look like you say these things out loud. So when you talk about culture and you talk about who broke through right. and what they had to, they had to sacrifice do. or or what their beliefs are beliefs actually. and values are mm-hmm. to break through, like you have people like that who basically say, Well, what's it look like if I hire a bunch of black dudes? Now And the other thing about that is who else is gonna hire any black right. dudes? Right. Like the whole excuse for nobody hiring black people is well, I, I just hire people anybody. in my network, right. so I don't know any. You're the only right. person that knows any black dudes. Yeah. So that funny, shit gets me tight, like as you could tell. That's true. <laughs> funny funny story is there was another dude who got promoted to that level after him who I was having a conversation with, and he was like, I just hired a bunch of black dudes because that's all who I knew, and those are the people who were looking for jobs when I was looking to build my team, and we're doing dope shit. I, I mean, and, and that has a lot to do with it. Like, that still, that still pertains mm-hmm. to culture. Like, right. 
your culture goes beyond the co- the corporate culture. It goes, what does your network look like? Your network of creatives, like. What is your network at the, at the look end like of in the general? Day, like at the end of the day, like, I I'd like to believe that my network is relatively diverse, but the reality is the majority of the people that I've taken on as close friends or or, or industry confidants happen to look like me. Not that they all look like me, but a good 90% of them look exactly like me. Um, and that's just that's just what that is. Mm-hmm. If, if you're going to kind of like push that away, like I don't want to be associated, <laughs> I don't want to be associated with something that's not the norm, knowing for a fact that you are not the norm, then here you go ignoring your glass ceiling breaker status. Right. And to me, and perhaps there's an arrogance to this, but like, I don't, not that I don't respect, that's not the word, but I guess I'm not impressed when somebody breaks a glass ceiling because I don't, I don't want to talk about one black president for 40 years. We had right. that one guy I don't want to talk about that one time a woman got into an election. I don't want to talk about that one time I had a great lady boss who was just amazing and a mother and a professional and involved in community X, Y, and Z and, you know, from the outside had it all. You know, like, it shouldn't be like that. It should be, it's the, here it is. The idea that as a child you can be anything you want to be should be carried through to adulthood for adults no matter how jaded you become and, and, and seeing things that are quote unquote normal to you that you should still believe that anybody can be anything they want to be. So to, to, to that point, and I, you know, I actually forgot what the question was and I forgot what you said because I had two stories. We're talking about like... <laughs> Like are are people when they break their ceilings the exception or the or or are they creating a path? But uh, you can go off topic. Yeah. Have you decided to change? I mean, it? but but, <laughs> but to, to that point, like what you just said, um, a lot of adults that that spirit of you can be whatever you want and anything is possible is killed somewhere along the way. It is because when you when you start looking at the the gender stereotypes that perpetuate our society like little and there's a video i just i was just watching earlier where it's like the little girls talking about why does the, the shirt for girls say hey and, and why does why does why does the the shirt for boys say like anything is possible what like the sky's the limit like adults wrote that shirt mm-hmm. so somewhere along the way like those those things those ideas of you can be whatever you want to be are killed and they they basically manifest in the workplace like mm-hmm. in different ways like it may not well, be explicit in life. well it, that too i'll yeah. give you i'll give you an example so um a co-worker in our network shared about um a, a man a white man that was asking like i need examples of what white privilege looks like or what it is and um the author of the article is a black woman and she went to high school with him and she responded to his Facebook post with examples in her life where she felt like that privilege had paid played a part in it. 
I think what's important was my response or one of the responses is um, to his questions that she talks about like the first time um, her sister and herself as a child and I, I guess they were in like elementary school they were called out of their name they were called the n-word or whatever um, and essentially that was the first time that they knew they were different from the other kids so you go you you kind of live your life up until you're about five years old being just like everybody else being just as talented as everybody else and so young but it doesn't always happen at five sometimes it happens at 10 15 20 25 whatever some people they just starting to realize it now um in their 20s 30s and 40s the moment somebody calls you out for being different is the moment that you start to realize that like want to be mm-hmm. no nah, i mean that's real you know what i'm saying like that's the moment where like all of those dreams of being the astronaut that eats pizza and drives taxis <laughs> go completely out the window and even but, though that sounds funny like there's a trauma there's a trauma to that i think that's true uh i do agree that you know somewhere along the line you think that you could be everything and then somewhere mm-hmm. along the line you think maybe i can't do it you start to even doubt it even if you don't say absolutely not but I do think in my adult life there's the question and sort of what we talked about before is do I want to be excuse me do I want to be all the things that I thought I wanted to be meaning is there a sacrifice that I'm not willing to make to get to the place that I want to be I'm not I don't know President Obama's life but I'm pretty sure he had to make some severe sacrifices to be the president of the United States as a black man. And I don't know what that looked like, and I'm not sure I want to know, and I'm not sure I would make that sacrifice myself. So even if I say that is attainable for me as a child when I grow up and understand what that actually means to be attainable, whether it's at work, whether it's in politics, whatever it is, there's some things that I'm like, if I have to give that part of me up, I'd rather just stay. That's still a choice, and I think I'm. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I can do what you know. Like I do what I want. Like that idea of I do what I want with with career. So I also can decide I don't want to be a princess anymore. I I (laughs) I actually want to just be a Karate Kid. Like I think what's missing is like if I'm a princess. Yes, that sounds (laughs) great. Because what you don't know is I've always been a princess. (laughs) Yes. But, like, even, you know, just, I was watching, I don't even know what movie it was. I think it was Maleficent mm-hmm. with my little cousin. Uh, shout out to Detroit one time. You I was in Detroit recently. You can say that you watching it by yourself. Nah, 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 nah. Chill, chill, chill. <laughs> but. I had, like, four or five kids around me. Pops. Like, <laughs> that, that princess was going through some stuff, and she mm-hmm. got a poison, and she was knocked out and sleep for a while, and she had to wait for some print. Like, there are sacrifices with everything you thought you wanted to be, and as a kid, you don't understand it. Now, I understand what you're saying. Is that even <laughs> a possibility for my life? I understand that part. But the adult side of it is, even if it is a possibility, do I even want it anymore? I'm just talking about the possibility. So I think, I think there's a privilege in having a choice. To decide, oh, sure. I want to grow. For sure, or I want to and stay. there is definitely um, racial indications on whether or not you have that privilege. I'm not, I'm not denying that at all. So I, I think the reason why articles like this exist is because a lot of people, specifically Black women, want that choice. Like this is this is something that they they think about, and they've invested time 
and money um, and time and money because black women are the most educated group in this country. So they've, ex they've invested a lot of time and a lot of money to have the choice of entering the C-suite or being a manager or being a, a director. And they're getting to a point where they're not, they're, they're hitting this, this invisible barrier and no one is letting them get through that, that barrier. So real quick, Kai, you talked about culture earlier, and we've had this conversation before, and I know in the intro we talked about how this is to bring to light the conversations we have anyway. So I'm just going right. to say this right now. Should I take Advertise another drink first? Huh? Should I take another drink first? There's been the way a set. you set that up. <laughs> the way you no. set that up, I had to brace myself. No, but I don't think it's even drink worthy. But what I want to say is a lot of the culture around advertising is built up like a private school system. Oh, you have to have that privilege to be in it. And you have bought your way access into the culture. You're not of the culture itself. So, so to that point, I had two stories earlier. Second story. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to get to my drink. As yeah, I was exiting an agency once, I called a meeting with the head of the global head of HR. Ain't he so petty for that? There, <laughs> I called the uh, meeting. There, there, there were a series of conversations that happened as to why black people aren't in the agency, why there, why there were a lack of black people in the agency, and why there was a lack of black people who were getting promoted within the agency. And he said one thing to me that really stood out and it probably goes to your point which is he started name dropping all the black people that have been at the agency and then he said to be here you need to be a superstar and right so i remember like thinking like but why the white kids don't have to be superstars but all the black people he was like you want to be here you need to be a superstar so to your point of like this being set up like a private school, like to get into private school, you need to be excellent. You need to be somebody or who- Or you need to have a lot of money, which is cultural equity. This right. is the thing. What, and to get back to the point of this whole episode, which is about climbing the ladder, it's all about politics. And the way I break down politics is just quid pro quo. You have something that I want you have something that I want. Okay, can we trade those things? Prostitution. And it, okay, well, I don't know if that's really, where he was taking it, but sure. Whatever okay. you want to call it. I mean, politicians have been called much worse. I'll say that. <laughs> and the reason why is because they will make recently. a deal for anything. And if you are, let's just say, um, I'll call her, I don't know, Lindsay X. Okay. Lindsay's yep. ex, who, who I've worked with, who I've worked with many times. If, oh, we're not talking about prostitution. No, no, no. We're not talking about okay. prostitution. Sorry. I'm not asking you no questions. I'm not going to incriminate you. And I'm not going to look like you I know said, what you're red light about. district. Bro, I'm good. And this is what happens when there is gender imbalance on a show. But, Thanks. but listen, though. If Lindsay ex's dad is the global lead for marketing for P&G and she wants to work at an ad agency, she's going to work at whatever agency she damn well pleases. And if Simeon's going to work at that same agency, he better be a superstar if he wants to compete with Lindsay X for employment rights at that same place. That, that, that's a whole deeper and, conversation. But 
it's a whole deeper conversation, but at the same time, so, so it's relevant. the politics of what happens in the agency and yeah. how people um, go from you know one position to the next. I bet you, you know, I'll bet anything I'm worth. Lindsay X is getting more opportunities. She's getting oh, on definitely. more high high profile clients, and outside of client work, she's getting on more more high profile um, projects within the agency, whether it be new business, whether it be internal because of who she is, what she represents, and what political capital she has backing her. Right. Me, not knowing anyone in the industry, coming out um, as someone, like, as I mentioned, my father's in, you know, he's a firefighter, he's a fire chief at this point in his career. My mother is a, a community worker. She works making sure people in communities understand that the power they have to um, determine their education within their school system. So I'm out here alone, basically is what I'm saying, in this mm -hmm. industry, and I'm trying As to find my way and figure it out. Yeah. And I've only been able to make it to where I'm at, which is not where, by any means, where I want to be, but only because of relationships I've made on my own and figured out my own way. Right. But th it goes deeper than that. So to understand not only personally what I bring to the table and what my acute value is, but the acute value of my network and who represents me and advocates for me, that's what brings you from manager to director right. to VP. It has very little to do with your ability to do your job because your job will become less and less important. It's more your ability to work a room, right. your ability to have political power and to understand those relationships, and that's how you move up. So that's why I say it's all politics, yeah. and it has very much to do with culture, which which you, you were bringing up, Kyle. No, and I even think, honestly, I even think politics and culture at this point, or at least in this point in my experience, are interchangeable almost. Definitely. Like, I'll even go back to this Huffington Post article, or actually not the Huffington Post article, but the report that attached to that article, um, which you can find at womeninTheWorkplace.com, and like their key findings, although they are targeted to women, to me these these are the ceilings in general that mm -hmm. most people that hit ceilings get. Like, it, talk, it talks about how women are negotiating as often as men but face pushback when they do. Because, again, it doesn't matter how many boxes that you've checked off on the I'm ready, I've mastered this skill level. If you don't look at me and see leader or see senior or see manager, you're probably going to push back on it. And it has nothing to do with can it, I execute the job? And it not only that, everything to do with whether or not you, by you judging me, do it, you think? I absolutely. Do it? And not only that, though, it once you get to a certain place in your role, it's not about can you do your job. It's do the people you do your job for respect you for. Yeah. We work in a service business, and mm -hmm. so the people we serve need to understand, feel comfortable build a relationship with the leaders on that team and so they they make sure the leadership looks like them and make those people feel comfortable so when you aren't of that and even if your agency is progressive as hell if your client is conservative as hell your leadership will be conservative because it's a service business which leads me to the next key finding they have here which it says women get less access to senior leaders and we've touched on this in many um in many shows before where it's like if i if i can't if i don't know what it looks like from there's one side if i don't know what it looks like to be uh senior leadership then i don't know what i'm aspiring to if senior le senior leadership doesn't see that like 
somebody like me or people that I hang with and kick it with are not only not only are we able to to do a task but we like excel then they're not gonna know hey there's a whole pool out there that you need to get your hands on like that's that's almost like being an A&R in music or at least an A&R in music back in the day where they actually had to go find talent like at record labels if we go back to like Motown or even like hip hop in the early late 80s early 90s like you had to go find this talent hmm. you know like freaking I don't know the the the, the give me some more Rakim was not in Rick Rubin's freaking network right whoever was up at Mercury or at um EMI or Capital or whatever they were as always you know older white men, they were not hanging out in the deep, dark boroughs, alleyways of Brooklyn and the Bronx. Like, they weren't doing it. They actually had to go find them. They had to go find talent. And I think, like, having access to senior leadership, that is an investment that goes both ways. I need to know what y'all look like and how y'all move and how you do what you do to see, like, how I can, what, what skills I need to learn. And I need you to see, like, what people like me, what kind of potential we had. But you're not invited to that you're party. You're not invited to, and that's, unless you are invited to no, that party. No, but let me tell you, mm-hmm. though, like, they're... I mean, go ahead. You, you're starting to get a point, which is you're not invited to that party, and you also mentioned comfort earlier. So it's, what does that party look like, culture? Like, right. these... The, like nothing is 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 siloed. Like everything is is intertwined. And if you're a white man and you hang out with other white men, there's a good chance you know what you guys talk about when you're alone. And to your and I feel like you and I have had this conversation. Like what what it's like to hang out with white men after dark. I'm not saying that you're because <laughs> Kaz Kaz looking at me. But it's like. Being able to to it's different, not yeah. disrupt the party and still be a part of it and, because it's right. it is a culture and and I and I don't know I guess that's and that goes back to my initial comment where like for me glassings are very different because I I have had access like there's a you have there's a, lot a of priv- there's a there's for whatever reason and I I do not know and I cannot tell anybody like I've had access to a lot of opportunities to be around certain people that traditionally, based on culture, based on looks, race, gender, whatever, I shouldn't necessarily have access to. And that's why I feel like it's it hasn't been as hard for me as it has been for other people. Right. You know what I'm so saying? So it's, it's where, because... But I, yes, it's culture. Yeah. Like, do you get where they're coming from? Do you... Is it authentic? Like, it, you have to be authentic for me, too, to get... To, to, to be a part of my conversation. And it's where, and I can't remember, I'm going to say something, I can't remember what the follow-up to it was, but I was I was at a panel one day, and this woman, I believe she, it was, she worked for Price Water Cooper, black woman, and the conversation was about this, black women in leadership and rising to the top and glass ceilings, and she made a comment which was personality-wise, um, habit-wise, out of all the people in corporate America, black women and white men have the most in common. I can't remember why she said it, but she had the facts to back it up. It was like a long 
quantitative or qualitative, I don't know what the fuck it is, but um, it was it was research that backed it up that black women and white men are pretty much the same as far as the way that they approach business, the way that they um, maneuver through through the industry. And I remember sitting there, I was thinking like thinking about all of my the majority of my mentors are black women. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who I like. All right, cool. Like this is what's happening at work. Like, what do I do to get over it? And they're the ones who usually have the insight. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, you do this. And the reason why I go to them is because they're the ones who have broken through these glass ceilings. Well, let me throw this at you because this was also um, in the report and in the article. Um, it says, this is quoting Ty Wingfield, um, one of the report's authors and senior vice presidents of communication uh, for the Center of Talent Innovation, blah, blah, blah. That's and a McKinsey? lot of stuff. Um, no. It, the full thing says the Center for Talent Innovation and Managing Director at Hewlett Consulting Partner. Okay. He has a very long title. She, Ty, Ty, Ty. Ty says, in our research, we find black women are nearly three times more likely than white women to say they aspire to powerful job, to a powerful job with a pres- with a prestigious title. Um, they noted that 48 percent of women of color say they aspire to leadership positions at their company, compared to 37 percent of white women. Um, they said the difference is most stark at the entry level, where only 20 percent of white women aspire to be a top level executive, compared to with 41 percent of women of color. So the disparity here, the glass ceiling here, isn't that, and a lot of people say, oh, well, you must not want it bad enough to climb a ladder. It's not that women that look like me don't want to, clearly want to. We're clearly coming in here to, like, take all your shit and keep it for ourselves. What does that even mean? Who is? What do you mean? So here's a funny thing. That, to me, that that is data, like, it doesn't show the why, but it definitely agrees with what old girl was saying, where it's like, no, and nobody like nobody that looks like me is like I'm not scared. The right. difference between <laughs> I want this. No, black I want your job. women and white men, if they are the same, in which I haven't seen the study that you were talking about, mm-hmm. Simeon, but there are a bunch of white men telling other white men how to do it, and there are a bunch of examples of how that's getting done. And with black women, yes, there are more um, than probably black men. To your point about your mm-hmm. mentors, but there aren't those examples. There aren't that like this is. You may want it. If forty-one percent of women say that they want uh, a powerful job with a impressive title, but that roadmap hasn't been laid out for you unless you create your own. Right. So I know plenty of black There's women who have made their aspect. own yep. business and decided. You know what? That's not. If that's for white men, not only am I not white, I'm not a man. So I'm creating my own lane, doing my own thing, mm. and I've made my own title with my own salary, and that's one way to do it. But in terms of how do I climb the ladder, which is what this show's about, there aren't those examples that there are for white men and if you create the system as a white man you can bring other white men up whereas i feel like black women aren't in that same position no matter how bad they want it or how much they say they are trying to get to that place and and to that point like the the idea of bringing other white men up and i think there's also it's not just bringing them up but it's bringing them up whether they want it or not and I feel like you and I were having a conversation one day, uh, Kai, mm-hmm. 
uh, where I was at, and I, I don't think they listen to the show, but I, 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 was, I was at dinner with a group of white men. It was probably about 10 of them. And there was a side. I was bored and no one wanted to hang out. There was a side conversation (laughs) happening, and it was it was it was really interesting. Where I watched a pre-job offer happen Mm. before it even happened. Where the dude was like, "Yo, there's going to be a CD position opening up at my agency. If you want it, let me know." And the dude was like, "Huh." I wasn't really thinking about it, but more money could be cool. Let's talk later. And I watched it, and then I went onto his LinkedIn later, and he and I were the same level, and I was like, oh, so he basically is gonna skip a level. But there was there was this moment where Sorry. there wasn't like, I feel like if you want something and someone mentions it, you go, oh shit, yeah, like I've been, doing blah 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 like there's there's a there's a mini elevator pitch that happens even if it's been handed to you on a platter because you've been planning for it but this dude wasn't planning for it it was just handed to him see and that's the thing that you were talking about earlier where i have been through the situation where not only did i have to work for it but i've also been given the criticism for why I didn't get it, why you said you would be a good manager. You have the empathy, but you also have the perspective of this is the feedback you need to grow. A lot of people aren't getting that. But at the same time, like you, for me in my world, because no matter, I, there isn't a rung where I'm like, okay, now I'm satisfied. So when I'm riding the train in the morning, I'm thinking about my job description. I'm writing things that I could be doing. I'm thinking about what my next step would be, and I'm planning for any conversation that may spring up on me. I may meet somebody in the street. I may have a conversation here, and somebody may text me the next day like, hey, they wanted to consider you for this position. Mm -hmm. So I'm always preparing for that because I'm looking for my next step. But I think a lot of people in our industry, quite frankly, if you started out in this industry making $35,000, which a lot of people did, you had somebody behind you funding that, enabling you to be in media and advertising in the first place. Right. If you are living in um, Williamsburg Park Slope and you own a place and you work in advertising and you're not a CD and above or a, I don't even know, a BPGD and above, somebody's funding that and it's not you. Right. So... Things what have been given that? to you is the okay. point. Somebody has bought that condo for you to make that life a reality. I see. What somebody you're has somebody is your sponsor, not in the work sense, but in the life whether sense, it's grandma, you know you whether it's make parents. A lot of money in this things have been given to you, so you're in that circle. Yes, you are in the same fraternity from Dartmouth as the buddy that you have there, and he's gonna make sure you get that job, whatever right. it is. And you're not hungry for it, but you'll still get it. You won't appreciate it when you have it, and you'll probably mess up in it, but somebody else will make sure you get to that next level. Yeah. And that's, and that's yeah, not that's, happening. I mean, that's where sponsorship comes in. And, and I mean, there are plenty of examples. And, and, I mean, we talk about all the time. We're going to circle back on many episodes as we go through this show because a lot of these conversations, if not all, are tied together. And this goes back to sponsorship. Like, Somebody somebody has to advocate for you mm-hmm. to get through a glass ceiling. Like validity 
and and I don't know if it's in every society, but definitely in ours, everybody needs like we need validation. We need validation to accept people. We need validation to like people. We need validation to hate people. We need validation for everything. It's a team sport. It is total. It is totally a team sport. And if we're not, and if there's not somebody behind you as you are climbing these ladders and going from um, associate to junior to 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 whatever the general discipline is to, you know, senior and then hopefully getting into director levels or associate director levels, director levels, so on and so forth. Somebody has to be behind you saying that you can do this and other people around them have to believe it. So there's that. Go ahead. No, it just brought me back to a conversation we were having earlier, which was we are in a new civil rights movement. And out of that civil rights movement, yes, there are protests, yes, there's litigation, um, there are laws that are being passed, but there's also culture that represents the time that we're in. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the Solange album, we talked about the visuals for the Lemonade album, which you said the Solange album's audio represented. Mm -hmm. Well, if you take our industry, our industry is about representing culture. And if there's a shift in the culture that you can't buy access to. Because if you if you notice, black culture has always been the predominant culture in terms of influence, mm-hmm. but everybody else can buy access to our culture. When you see who's at the show, it's not mostly black people. When you see who's promoting it, who's tweeting it, it's not who owns black the American sites. Black American culture has always been commodified. Yeah, and that, that's the whole thing of Jesse Williams revolution. was saying, gentrifying the genius. Well, if there are parts of culture that only pertain to, which is coming out now, which you guys uh, explained in the Solange album, if there's parts of culture that only pertain to actually going through it, actually being a part of the culture, actually being a part of the struggle, actually being discriminated against, where it's, it's a popular culture, but it's not about a positive thing. It's about, like, uh, there's that quote, why has the blues always been American? You can't buy yourself access to the struggle. You can only buy yourself access to the music. So <laughs> if the music is right. inherently about the struggle, that's something that we own individually, and right. that adds to our political power if that becomes important in the popular zeitgeist. So I just I don't even remember why I wanted to say that, but I did. I'm just so happy you did. But, but I have it, no clue either. I, I think <laughs> I think to to this conversation, what you just said is basically creating the business case for why women should be breaking Correct. through the glass ceiling. Because, I don't like people of color. and I feel like you, Kai, and I like I'm a copywriter. I work on creative stuff and. For some reason, I work on a lot of female-centric brands so right now. And nobody and, would know that you but, write these like really heartfelt messages for women on a daily basis. But 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 the reason is is because, well, not the reason because the reason why I write. Just FYI, there's a lot of Hennessy flowing around this table, <laughs> so I'm stuttering. But the the reason why you need women in these positions of power is because you cannot create messaging and ideas and concepts and things that are supposed to move the zeitgeist forward for women as the primary the the primary um consumer in this country without having women women at the steering wheel so it's almost impossible quick story without without offending them 
quick story. Yeah, and it's about uh, what you were saying to me is uh, the manufactured empathy, where we live in a world where everything has to be PC. So I have to wear so many different hats to pretend that I have empathy to all these different groups. Mm -hmm. But I prioritize these hats by who has the most political power. So if I know women are 50% of the population, that's going to be more impactful to me probably than black people who are 12% of the population. So let me make sure I at least appease women. And then, of course, um, let me make sure I appease uh, the gay community because that is historically a affluent community so mm-hmm. they're going to buy my mm-hmm. stuff so a quick story i work at a publishing company we publish articles um a woman wrote an article As a matter of fact actually let me start out with this the um head of all of the content being produced at our at our company had a complaint about a certain article um he said he felt like the article was mansplaining he felt like there were things in there that um, were quote unquote brotastic. Um, <laughs> and okay. he felt like we needed to remove the article and need to be edited. It happened to be written by a woman, and not only a woman, but a self proclaimed feminist woman who did it from a totally different perspective. But what happened was he read it and he assumed it was a man and he manufactured the empathy for a woman. When it really was written by a woman from a totally different perspective, but because he did, he wasn't that person, and because there wasn't that woman in power to actually understand the perspective it was coming from, it the point of it was missed. And so I think your point about you know people pretend to relate to things that they don't quite understand, Mm -hmm. and yes, it can be a band aid, and yes, it can get the job done, quote unquote, but. Could it really make the impact? Can it really change the zeitgeist? Can it really motivate people towards action? Probably not. Um, You know, I always took my job as a strategist to be more like a method actor. Like, I have to understand what motivates people. There's that, Mm -hmm. um, the Cicero quote, um, to motivate me, you must think my thoughts, feel my feelings, speak my words. I believe in that. Mm -hmm. But you have to have a perspective from an actual person, not from a study, not from an anecdote and I just think we're in a such a place of inauthenticity where people are just manufacturing empathy for things they have no context and no understanding of oh, and definitely. this conversation can go like Sorry. <laughs> like <I> literally <laughs> I have like I so many follow-ups I had well no, no you weren't off topic, topic but like I'm like my mind went so many places but before I switch off to development and then we close out like you're absolutely right I think we live in a society it's because because let's be caribbean and latin people it's nothing for you to go to your grandmother's house and say oh you're getting fat because that's a part (laughs) of that code like it's nothing like the the level of pc that we have and the manufactured um, empathy that we have that doesn't necessarily exist in other cultures but it's something that we like we literally live and die by whether or not oh did what is what i'm gonna say gonna hurt your feelings and I think that plays into why it's hard for a lot of people to get sponsored to push through glass ceilings because it's like, oh, well, if you're not doing the work to, the, to your best ability or to the ability that I know you should be doing it, I don't want to tell her she's wrong because I don't want her to think that I'm being an aggressive man 
or the way I say it, it may come across aggressive. And I, and I feel like that plays a part. That plays a huge part into it. And it becomes negative on both, like, a man, from a managerial perspective, from a peer perspective, and from a personal, like, professional. Like, there have been many times I've had to tell when I've had um, men as my supervisors, like, I just need you to say what's on your mind. Like, forget all this beating around the bush, because you're going to beat around the bush so much and, and throw me nuances and, and hints here. I don't, I'm not here for hints. I got to do 35 schedules, figure out this timeline and this budget. I need you to just tell me what it is so I can fix it. So I have a quick story, which is before you get into development, uh, which I think is really relevant. So I won't say when this meeting happened, but I have I had a meeting in my career. Yesterday. <laughs> Not yesterday. <laughs> Not yesterday at all. But I had a meeting in my career where uh, somebody came to me, in fact, two people came to myself and, and uh, the creative director I was working with at the time and said, we don't feel like you guys trust the account team and your trust, no. your trust or lack of trust is, you know, um, weighing on the the culture here and it's not you know it's not providing a you know productive atmosphere all this type of thing and both of us were actually very felt very disrespected by the insinuation because yes there was a lack of trust I'm not going to deny that but that lack of trust came from the head of the account team telling us you know I'm working with people who don't understand what we're doing yet it's not all the way there yet and you can just tell by the interaction they have with their own team what the trust factor was with them so my question was why is there a different expectation for who you trust and who i'm supposed to trust there is an insinuation that i don't have the intelligence that you have to see that these aren't people to trust and that the work is going to somehow get done in spite of these people even though i know what level these people are at the reason I brought that up in light of what you're saying is because, um, you know, people assume that because you're a certain race that you don't have the perspective of the, the industry, that you don't have the intelligence to see through the bullshit, that you don't have the competence to understand the context in which things are presented and um, going to be executed in. And it's really insulting, and it really, quite frankly, pisses me off. But when you're in a certain level of power and you're hitting that glass ceiling, you're not supposed to say anything about it. And that's what you were talking Like, the PC level that you're supposed to have, you know, um, I've been called a bully, and I've been I called hate. somebody who doesn't trust people Ugh. and all this stuff. But it really has nothing to do with what I say or even how I say it is who I am saying it. And it's like, no, I the fact that I said it intimidated you, not because of what I said, how I said it, but because who I was. Right. And that's the shit that pisses me off. I think and yeah. I mean, I think I think to that point, that's something that I'm probably um guilty of. (laughs) (laughs) Because Guilty in what way? I mean, like, there are certain things that I don't say to women in the office, even when um, it could be helpful, because I don't want to be, 
seen as the bully. And mm. and I think this this is and I've I, never learned my lesson. And and I've mentioned this on like <laughs> on on past episodes where it's like there there are these moments where I feel like I could be really helpful. I just don't feel like people will understand where the criticism from. coming from my black mouth. And I totally get that. I've been in a meeting even where there's a standard that I've set like in the place I work where if you haven't because I send out the briefs before if you haven't read the brief or you haven't like don't even come to the meeting so I will ask people like have you read it okay you can find us afterwards and I'll just dismiss people hmm. from the meeting like you know we are talking about something where you need a level of understanding but I've had people come to me afterwards like hey uh, I really appreciate the feedback but I wish you would have said it in a more private setting or I feel but like you, you were attacking me. And, but I've had that and I've taken <laughs> that bothers me, to understand like, but I've set the expectation that this is what you need to do to even show up. And if you showed up without that, right. like to me, if I showed up without that, there would be no exception made. And right. I understand. And I have to say this and I know this might not be, this may be a little off topic, but going through january and even going through september where there are multiple black men who have died at the hand of, hands of the police in a single week and yet i'm showing up to work every day expected to produce what i've always produced expected <sighs> to come with a smile on my face and i see excuses from other people um i've had it had an anxiety attack i couldn't come in my stomach hurt i couldn't come in Oh, I don't feel well. <laughs> Fuck that. I have done everything. Not only am I under attack, not only am I being hunted, not only am I an endangered species right, on brink of work. extinction, right. I show up every day prepared to work, prepared to do what I need to do, and there are no excuses accepted from me, and therefore there right. are no excuses accepted by me. And I do not appreciate the cavalier nature with which people uh, make excuses not to do what yeah. they are paid to do in this industry. And it's probably worldwide, but for me, it really offends me when we are not, this is not a labor intensive job. It's not. This is not, it's not. Uh, a cancer prevention job. You we're can not show no up lives. and if anything, be there. We're ruining right. them. You do not have like, to work from home. You don't today. even have to show up. You can work from you home. Can really work from home. <laughs> but you do something. Go to work, work, Sh work, I want you to work. show your face. Yeah. Be here. And so, anyway, I, I, I digress. I don't know who you were talking to at work right now, but whoever it is, I hope they listen. No, I, mean, I hope you send this right to them. In fact, I will address it to them quite privately. I mean, but that's legit, then, though. It's the legit. thing is. When people say, well, you haven't been yourself lately. No, my tolerance isn't the same lately because I do not have time for whatever it is you think we're playing with. No, my coming out the house is a matter of life and death. So when I come here, I come on business and I do not respect anybody who does not. So and to, to that point, and it's not off topic. I, I think when you, when you come from multicultural households, um, and you've been raised, <laughs> you've been raised with, and it's not all, but a lot, you've been raised with this idea of, let's just call it no excuses. Right. There's, in, to put it into context, it's, it's 
one o'clock in the morning and your parents wake you up from your beautiful dishes is not clean. I don't care what you dream right. about. Get up. And it's it's what whatever chore that you have not done and you have an excuse. You get and your it's, ass out this bed up. and mop this floor like and I asked you. Damn now. <laughs> and you and you bring you bring and I, and I think this, and I've I've noticed this, and I probably didn't notice it until one of my mentors, which is a black woman, was like, "Shut up!" That this is where, shut up, you're making excuses, and that idea of making excuses or not making excuses is something that a lot of black women bring into the workplace, which is shit needs to get done. So it's going to get done by any means necessary. And so I think why we're having this conversation is because they're applying those, those, in, skills. those skills okay. and those life lessons. And they're, they're going to school and getting masters in two and three degrees. And they're still hitting it. They're still hitting this glass ceiling regardless so it's you're doing all these things you're checking off all these boxes you're checking off extra boxes you're yeah. checking off more boxes than are than is than necessary are even there. Than, like you're checking right. off boxes in other at this point you start you start to like well shoot i'm i might need to learn three or four disciplines right so i can do this job and like again it's that mindset for me of being the only one because if i can do everything you can't get rid of me because no matter who you don't right. have you always you know you always have a need from me and and, and and to that point like there have been so many moments where i've had conversations with black women and they're like i'm about to go do this i'm about to go back to school and i'm like why like you work here like but I met her. hold up <laughs> hold up there's a <laughs> She never gonna stop. <laughs> I think I'm ready for like a biophysics doctor, but you're a teacher. I know, but I just feel like I feel like I should just know but these you need things. It. Right, but but it's it's but and I and I think the 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 issue is when you when you start talking about need and you talk about privilege and you talk about who is actually breaking through or not breaking through, they're just basically walking up the steps to the next floor. There's so many people that didn't need it, and they've walked. They've they so they basically pivot. just turned the knob and they walked into the next level. Let's pivot. So let's talk about development. What does development have to do with this, from a perspective of education, skill learning? Um, I don't know, interviewing skills. Like, so is there is there? Do we think that for people that are trying to break through these ceilings, that there is a need to? Do you need to go back to school? Do you need to take courses at General Assembly? Do you really need to learn? But they're already doing else? it. They, but, do you need to? Is it a necessity? I will say this: there is a a need to shift, and whether it's through education or whatever it's from. When Simeon talked about how we are raised in quote unquote multicultural, I can only speak from a black family because that's what I grew up in, and not only was I raised that you were going to get woken up in the middle of the night if you didn't do your chores. You're going to get You're beat if you messed beat up. You're going to get beat. You're going to get beat with whatever we can find. Broom, don't, don't belt, family two business. by four, whatever it is. You're, you're going to find a way. But at the same time, you are raised to be 
um, to have humility. Right. This is true. You are raised to respect um, power. You are raised to be seen and not heard. You mm-hmm. are raised to be almost docile in situations where there are people of power around you. Your white counterparts are not raised in that same manner. So when they're in a room with the president, they feel like they should make a joke. They have the right to say whatever they want to, where you are quiet, understanding, learning, figuring out what to say, what's your angle, having the respect that you were taught to have. There are people who were not raised in that same sense and feel like everything is my domain. Everything is my right to have. Everything is my right to speak on. And so the development piece comes in for me as you have to figure out how to play those rooms outside of what you were raised to do. You have to unlearn those things of, um, uh, I guess, assumed respect and humility and say, you know what? I do deserve this. I understand this is important to me, but not only that, I have a right to be at this place and I have a right to speak when I have a seat. And that's something that's not really taught in a black household, at least the ones that I was raised it's in. It's not in general. And I'll say I, I'm pretty sure that like, so I mean, quite frankly, like the biggest, I guess, family mentors, like there's always, they're mm-hmm. always like those people in your family as you're growing up that make the biggest impact on you. And the the large portion of the people that made that impact on me were men, namely my father and my uncle, my my um, mother's youngest brother. And I mean, we were talking about earlier, like how I find it easy to to navigate meeting men on leadership levels and having carrying on conversations with them, and like I don't necessarily feel. I don't feel the block. I don't feel the disconnect because I feel like I, I was all I I was always welcomed from my father and from my uncle to be a part of grown folk conversations. Mm-hmm. Where, as we know, like growing up in our culture, like if I was trying to be around my mother or whatnot, and sometimes even my mother, but you why are you minding grown folk business? Right. You need to go sit at the there, like I didn't I never really had to sit at a kids table. Like, there was sometimes, but then there were too many kids, so, like, just went to the big table. I never really had to, um, not, like, that idea of, of, of being seen and not heard. I was always heard, because I was always welcome to the conversation. And entering my two points, my two, my two points, my <laughs> two cents at any, at any point of a conversation. That was not my reality. That wasn't, but, and it wasn't no, like that for many people, because I had seen a lot of people get, they teeth smacked in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for just being a part of a conversation. Whereas like that that wasn't my reality where the reality was they wanted to I'm assuming and I'll call Sonya and ask her later. Don't tell her I called her Sonya, but I just do that for y'all. <laughs> but like you know, like I can ask them later, but the reality was they were looking to raise somebody that was very vocal and very independent and very um, that felt that the world was mine. Like there's, there's and nothing I'm about this world I can't And I'm conscious of that now that I have a son. But that whole, I was raised to not mind anybody's business but my own. And that was my point to yeah. the uh, yeah. listener's letter, which is, no, if you're minding your own business, people are not recognizing what you're bringing to the table yeah. and that you want to bring even more to yeah. the table. And that's something that I did not realize and had to leave a job, look back at it and say like, oh, 
this is where I messed up and this is why people who like that glass ceiling where you see those other mm-hmm. people those are the people who said the things you thought but didn't say because you didn't think it was appropriate and the other thing too is it's it's a double-edged sword it's not that you speak it and it's well received because people don't think you should be right. saying it whether you're a woman whether you're a black male or heaven forbid let you be a black woman they definitely don't think you should be asking those questions questioning anything um, or negotiating or anything of that nature so to to have yourself in that mindset of power and uh, I guess assumption and maybe it's privilege or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it but this thing that the world is mine and I run it right. and uh, you know it's the whole thing of on down the line from uh, corporate America gentrification whatever it is this world is mine and I will put my place in it wherever I right. damn well please that's kind of what you need to survive exactly in this world that, yeah. that is it's, it's, key survival armor that no one teaches you until you learn it for yourself it, it's, it's a confidence game and I think when well it gives you confidence yeah. but it's that having that context because I mean regardless and, and this, cause this may sound backwards to a lot of people but regardless of what's happening to any of us specifically to to black men and women as it relates to um, literally just being lynched and murdered in the streets every day, Mm -hmm. the world is still yours. As long as you have the opportunity to live another day, you have the opportunity to make something the best that you can or to take something that is rightfully yours and to advocate for yourself. So for me specifically, and I know quite often as we've all seen in different in different facets like I will disagree with people because I there is nothing I cannot do I may not be the best one to do it but I could still do it right mm-hmm. you know and I think it's there is it is a swagger it is a confidence but it's also a fact that if you give yourself the opportunity and you think about this moment or that you're alive and you're breathing and there's really nothing wrong in this moment and Yes, five minutes down the line, a bill collector might call, or yesterday you may have broke up with somebody, but in this moment, nothing is wrong. I can do everything I can in this moment to make, to push myself to whatever that next level is, whether it's professional, personal, or other. Like, you can have whatever you want if you give yourself enough credit to do so. Definitely. I mean, like, that. I feel like everything that you, you just said is the reason why I got out of media, because... I hit that glass ceiling where, and, and to me, like the glass ceiling is where you you know that you deserve it. You've mm-hmm. done it. Yeah, you've I done agree. the work. You you've built your skill level. You've did X, Y, and Z, and someone's like, you know what? And and to, to be very clear, like there was this moment where I was looking for that promotion, and I told them I was looking for that promotion, and they said you need to do X, Y, and Z. And I did it and I was basically working two jobs at once. And then when the promotion came up, the VP was like, well, we just feel like her, and let's just call her Beth, her name was Beth, but we just feel like Beth would be better for the position. And I was like, all right, I'm out. And so there's, there's that moment where you know that you deserve it and you have to build up your confidence to the level where you're just like, you know what, F it, I'm done. I'm good. This is a glass ceiling, but I'm going to mm-hmm. pave my way somewhere else. And I feel like those people who've broken through the glass ceiling, they hit that moment where 
and we don't see it because we're just looking at the end result. Right. But you have to know if everyone else around you, around that person has failed at breaking through that glass ceiling, there has been a moment behind closed doors where that person was like, F it, you're gonna give me what I want right. or I'm out. And you're giving your boss to the, the option to recognize your worth or you take your worth somewhere else. And the one thing that's not talked about as much that I feel like should be talked about more is Beth had a lot of conversations with your manager and she probably said at one point, Simeon's probably not who you're looking for. I can That's give real. you this, this, and that. And there's a lot of people. That yeah, oh, absolutely. I definitely think so. Absolutely. Because people recognize that this is a competition and there may be two promotions available and there may be four people. And right. they are in the ear not only talking about themselves, but also talking about their competition. And if their competition happens to be, uh, if they're a man, if their competition happens to be a woman or they're white, their competition has to be of color, there is an easy reason to make an excuse not to do it. And it's easier to make an excuse if you are already in the room or if you are at happy hour or you are at dinner or wherever it is that the people in power congregate. It's easier if you're already there. Absolutely. And that's why we, uh, I can't remember who we were talking to, but I've been in a conversation where some... I feel like more junior people in their career in advertising are talking about, I never go out with my team or I'm never oh, there when I drink. Yes. Or eat. And this I'm like, conversation, if you don't take your I'm, ass I was kind of taken aback. Like, the, you're not serious about your career if, if you're, you're not, not there when the, the conversations yeah. are being had. Right. Yeah. I mean, I also think that it's important. And then we can get to. Um, Sorry. No, it's fine. I, I think I'm going to make the statement and then I want to do next steps. Um, but I think that it's. I think it's really important to recognize that like a ceiling, a glass ceiling is not broken if there's only one person in that position. If there are a few examples, if we're still talking about these superstars, these unicorns, that's right. what they're called, these unicorns that, oh, they're so amazing. And despite all blah, 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 they're able to be here. Um, I think being a unicorn is dope. I think it's always great to be the special one who doesn't want to be the celebrity, but that's not breaking a glass ceiling. To your point earlier like I don't care I mean I care but it's not what's important to me is not just that we have one right. that's tokenism what's important to me is that it's nothing for me to look up and see somebody that's that's different you know what I'm right. saying like it shouldn't be I shouldn't <laughs> get excited if oh snap send me and there's another black girl on your team wow no. like because there's a hundred other black women that i'll probably see on the train today yeah and there, you know there, what i'm saying like is that because moment. you exist in real life so you sh there's no reason you shouldn't exist in this industry there's no reason that and as much as i love her my guy bozema saint john like right now she's considered a unicorn as if somehow this Wow, we don't know how this this woman became this marketing genius, and she works for Apple and blah. I'm I know quite a few other black women that work for that company that may not necessarily be have the same personality. Cause my God, that woman has an amazing, like strong, vivacious personality. But they're equally as smart, and they've equally contributed 
somehow to Apple as a corporation. You know what I'm saying? But like they're not getting the highlight because they're not the unicorn. Right. So to me, breaking through a glass ceiling only matters when you're also Harriet Tubmaning that shit and bringing all the people, like making all the people free, bringing all the people to the top. Shout you. out to Harriet as a verb. I'm feeling that. <laughs> the, the, Harriet like Tubmaning. Really, you have to Harriet Tubman that shit. Like you have to do it. Like, I don't know if anybody listens to the read, but Harriet and her, like, what was it? Her army of bad bitches? Like, <laughs> that's a real thing. It's a real thing. But I think I think that's important just to know. Like, it's not just about the one that did it. Right. It's, it's, it's n- about this became the norm when. Right. And it's, it's not monumental until it's the norm. I mean, and, and the fact that we put so much, we put so much, uh, of our attention on on the one, no. you know, like I don't want to I don't want to be the only brown person, and I'll say brown people because like I feel like I not I feel like I identify with both my Latin side and 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 mm-hmm. my black side, my black American side. So I don't want to be the only one. I want to be able to talk about things and not from a top level perspective. I want to have these kind of conversations at my desk, not just over G chat when Simeon won't let me work. <laughs> or not over, only over text message when Brendan decides he wants to take an early lunch break. Like, I want to have these conversations in my office. I want it to be a conversation that we don't mind having out loud in between meetings because it's enough of us here that this is just what the hell we talk about. I don't want to be the only woman when I was, like, one of the few women in an agency where, oh, God, I just need a tampon. And it's like, I can't say that out loud because I don't want to make men uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are really, that to me is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And 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 going back to the topic of diversity, all of these corporations, even I don't know if you saw, um, JWT has like a women's magazine they released recently. No. Oh yes, and it's internal. But just because you release a magazine for women doesn't mean that we forget that your sexist uh, right. C-suite um, representatives really made y'all look like fools in the beginning of this year. You know what I'm saying? Like. I think we get that. we put too we put too much you forgot about it and a lot of people a lot of women did not. You know, so mm-hmm. like there to there to me there's a condescendence in saying, Oh, look at this amazing unicorn and not look at all the other people that have the potential to be that. Right. So with that said, what are some next steps? And you know what, I don't want next steps right now to be advice because I don't really think we have advice. I, I think I, yeah. we're still growing. I think there are things that we can do. I mean, this is some shit I need to do. I think I think the the next steps, not well if they're not next steps, it's it's not accepting exceptions as um, the rule, and I think for for a lot of these these moments in history, like we get so excited that we forget that there's a reason why this person is the only. I remember like the first time that Obama was elected, like my mother called me. No, my parents are not American, so this wasn't as important to them. <laughs> so, they, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. Like, and she called that's me. That's not because they're not American. Because all the other West Indians were very excited, and that's why they had all the. They were like it is. They made T-shirts. They got. Let's listen, be, when I went to Costa so, Rica. They had all the the Obama family. But was that pictures for? And so, all the so let me be clear. My parents were kind of very like, oh, this is great. So my mother called me, and she's like. What are you doing? This is amazing. And I was like, uh, I was in bed. You woke me up. And that's because you weren't in D. 
But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I told it. And I remember what I said, which was to this to this conversation. I was like, until you can say that there's an Asian American president, a Native American president, mm. and all these other things, it don't mean ish because he got elected in a very in 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 a different time like this is post mtv this is post jay-z hova like being being the number one record in the country this is post beyonce like he got elected when black people were in style when you can say that all people are in style then we can start celebrating and it's not to say that he didn't do something monumental and historic. He, he did. He definitely did something historic. The issue and is that's great for him. Right. That's not. That's not necessarily. Which is, I think, what we learned. Right after. Right. It's not necessarily great for us. Like a lot of. It wasn't great for women. Lot, it wasn't great for women. Right. It definitely wasn't great for women. It wasn't necessarily great for. It was great for him. Right. And it's nothing to take away from him. Clearly, Definitely. clearly the man is brilliant. Right. Clearly the man is educated. Definitely. Clearly the man has drive. Clearly he's motivated. Right. He's got all of these accolades, and he was deserving of that moment that belonged to him. However, right. I can't necessarily share in your moment outside of being proud of you right. and happy for you if that's not a reality that I can see for myself. Correct. And so I got the chills like everybody else. I was like, yo, this is this is this is I had a dope. great time running down U Street in DC. I did not Just, run through the streets. <laughs> I ran through all the streets with my woes, left a car in the middle of the road. It was fantastic. But keep going. And so like to me, I think I think the next steps are is that we as the people who determine what's historic and what's pop and what's and what's culture and what's what's of the moment need to stop and when when people identify these unicorns and identify these these people who broke through glass ceilings and say that's not enough like if it's only one it's, it's not, not enough. enough like you need more people for this to be we don't believe you right for, for for us to believe that this is this is something that that should be celebrated across the board because one person doesn't make it monumental it doesn't make it historic it doesn't make all the injustices that you've done before disappear. in the past disappear and make it right. What about you? So, a um, couple things. One, there are a lot of companies and marketing departments within companies demanding that their agencies be well represented um, by people of color, is by, by women. There are, I've seen I've seen more since I sent you that article, but I've also, it's not a lot. No, but it is a lot of money on the table with big agencies. Yes, they're big. So Verizon just came out recently and said that. So that's putting more pressure on Wyden, who came out and raised their hand. Like, we want to be about this with the Black Lives Matter page. It wasn't necessarily reflective in their employee set, I think, to a point you were making Mm -hmm. earlier. So... Verizon's put that pressure on all their agencies need to be representative. Nobody's, not nobody, there have been few indications of what the consequences will be, but um, as far as next steps, I think there will be opportunities for people in this industry um, take advantage of them, do them properly and understand that those opportunities were may have been given to you, may have been um, earned but they are not 
to be taken for granted. So understanding, you know, who's coming along with you. Um, as far as development, which is something we kind of touched on but didn't really get on, there isn't a lot of like, hey, all the CEOs will be here and you'll be invited. No, that's not that's usually the case. Right. And there is, I think people take for granted a lot of the growth that needs to happen between director and VP and VP and SVP and SVP and president, like group director. All those positions take a lot of growth. And I think people take for granted those things, so seeking out those opportunities. But I think most importantly for me, um, which is something that I think I talked about last time we were talking, Kai, when you represent a group of people, and you, whether that be women, whether that be Hispanic Americans, whether that be black Americans, whatever that group of people is, and you sacrifice those defining characteristics about that culture when you come to work, you make it harder for other people within that group mm -hmm. to come behind you. Definitely. Because when people understand your blackness as a compromised sense of blackness, they are looking for other people to compromise their blackness when they come behind you. Preach. So and your my and all right, and your femininity and your um, Hispanic culture and whatever it is that actually defines you. When you sacrifice that, people are looking for compromised versions of that and watered down version. So bring that condensed milk. Do not water your shit down at all. And condensed milk please. is always the best. <laughs> please, 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 because that is even though it's helping you be that unicorn it is not helping the ceiling actually be broken so be yourself be smart about being yourself and i'm not saying you know there you're at work which is not like being, being at play professional doesn't yeah. mean that you can't be right. yourself. thank you Definitely. exactly so be professional in what you do take care of your business do not, I'm not saying offend everybody in what you say. We still live in, the, <laughs> in 2016. Sometimes when you do. We still live in 2016 to, where there is a sensitive culture, but do not sacrifice yourself into getting where you think you need to be. And that is, to me, I, I totally understand the implication of what I'm saying because especially having a son now, that may mean uh, I'm not putting as much money in my own household i may be making a temporary sacrifice to realize something greater but i think as somebody mentioned earlier economics is a team sport and therefore what you do and what you represent reflects not only in the industry now but can have generational implications so understanding that it is something bigger than you and understanding that there is obligation whether you like it or not to understand kind of your place in that in the context of that so can I just piggyback off of that um, I just remember something that happened when I was in Miami the last time well the last and only time um, <laughs> so there was this woman who was who's been extremely successful in corporate America and I had on a dashiki and she came up to me and she was like, I don't get this. What is up with all of you? She's black. What is it? Yeah, I had a dashiki oh, on. You did, I had her. a dashiki on. But she approached me and she said, I don't get it. What's up with all of you young black people wearing dashikis and afros <laughs> and, yeah. and somebody being mama. black. Yeah, somebody mama. Right. 
And I remember saying to her, I was like, us who are here in this room who are doing it, and everybody in this room was, was successful, quote unquote, I said, every single time that we do this and we're around other white people and this becomes the, the, the norm for them, this is what they see and this is what they associate with people who they quote unquote respect or they hang out with or we become their... Or that they understand our successful people. Right, or they understand our successful people or we become their black friend that they mention when they're not being racist. Like, it, <laughs> it, 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 sets, it sets a tone. So when you talk about not, or when you talk about being your condensed black milk, <laughs> like, Say it again. Like, just name the episode. <laughs> so when, when you talk about it, what it, what it does, it creates a lane, and it may not be someone who's exactly like you, but it creates a lane for someone who looks like you. So I like to wear a lot of dashikis to work. Yes, yeah, Simeon walks through all the. Uh, I wear dashikis to work. Don't get it twisted. And 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 all these things because. <laughs> Don't let this suit and tie get you mixed messed up. And and but it's but it's but it's 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 interesting, and I guess it's for all the people who are are listening, which is like, do not water yourself down to right. go to work to think that that's what you need to break through the glass ceiling. As as the the unicorns, because we are all still unicorns, regardless of how many of us are still right. have made it into the business. We're having we have this podcast because we're not the norm. Um, there are diversity uh, departments and agencies because we are not the norm. So when you water yourself down, you are basically creating a problem. Right. And side conversation or side story, there was a. Uh, a moment this week where a recruiter asked me to interview somebody and she, she she mentioned something that I thought was really interesting because she met the person at an event that was supposed to highlight black talent and she and she had me interview somebody who was not black and she said this guy was buttoned up and that that term of buttoned up really stood out to me because it was like what exactly do you mean by buttoned up buttoned up means that this person was visually or or they they spoke in a way that was acceptable to the agency's culture or whatever so when you are your blackest self or your most hispanicest self or your most asianist self or your most native american self or your gayest self or whatever or whatever the case is and you don't water yourself down and you bring all of that into the agency and you bring all of that into the agency with insights and you bring it into the agency with success yeah. you create lanes for other people to break through the glass ceiling or all of you can break through the glass ceiling together or all of you can mob that motherfucker and break through it together and make change because if if it's only one person you haven't done anything and to everybody out there i don't think any of us are saying this is the easiest road to take because the politics get deeper right. the more you are yourself. And even period, what I had to learn was just because of the laid back environment, just because we're not wearing suits does not mean the politics do not apply. But by the way, the work gets better because right. 
you're able to have a candid conversation you are comfortable to be yourself and the work is elevated because of it and the insights are more true because of it and there's a business reason to be yourself Definitely. because of it so uh anyway and and also to that point before kai goes in if you mobbing into your hr office i mean like there's two three four five of you that are in like minds striving to do something awesome you will get something done because every hr agency across this whole entire land understands that a lawsuit only takes two people and kai pop off <laughs> I, um, I have um a complete mis train of thought right now no i just thought howard university to rename school of communications after Radio One founder Kathy Hughes. Shout out which, to the Quiet Storm. Right, which means that I guess I guess they stopped calling it John H. Johnson. I huh? think they did a while ago. A couple years ago. I was just ago. like uh, reading up on uh, Miss Hughes over the weekend. Oh, okay, but before before we even go there, um, I'm, that caught me off guard because my my next step um, was gonna be something that I I learned orientation at Howard. I don't know if you remember it, but I think between that and like just kind of like what my upbringing was was with with my parents who very interesting people, but I I get where they were coming from now. There's this moment during our first orientation where every, all the freshman class was in the um Crampton Auditorium and they the who I forget who it was, but the dude on stage that was that was kind of talking to everyone kind of had everybody stand up um based on their accolades so like stand up if you were valedictorian stand up if you were homecoming queen prom queen um if you you know played on a football squad if you liked history blah 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 and they went through this exercise to essentially show like a whole bunch of people stood up at each of those moments so at any given moment everybody in the room that you're in probably has the same successes that you have had which essentially shows that you're not really that special. So this unicorn lifestyle that we're speaking <laughs> about, you're really not you're really not shit. If you're just as good as everybody here, you're really not shit. If that's the only thing you put your value in. Yes. And I think that there's something empowering about that also. Right? A lot of times we get into Company A lot of times we get into these companies and we get into these organizations and we get hired and we feel man Look at all of these other people that are so much better than me and already starting to discount yourself and second guess yourself when the reality is, regardless of how you got here, you got here, period. And the next person, You're they're here. here. They're also here. So I, I know that there's a lot of red tape and I know that there are a lot of glass ceilings and I know there's a lot of pushback on a lot of different people trying to climb ladders, but I think that there's a mental, there's also a mental barrier that we place on ourselves, not realizing that you're just as good because you are here, so you have the opportunity to work just as hard and harder to, 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 to grow. And I think that part gets missed, and perhaps that becomes like the um, inspirational motivation speech piece of it, but I think that that's really important. Like. If we go around thinking that like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to do it because there's this glass ceiling or oh, I can't do it because nobody else has done it before me all the time, 
none of us are going to make it and therefore those coming behind us can't make it either and I feel like there's this piece that like I feel like there's a, a strong piece of me that feels the next step when looking to climb the ladder is to just try to do it better than the people that did it before you if that's helpful like many of us want to be a CEO or, or grow to C-suite level some of us don't but let's consider the fact that you can. And even though somebody may tell you no, even though you may or may not deserve it, somebody else may tell you yes. I'll never forget, I did an event one time and it was like a singing competition. Um, and I think Neo was like looking for people to sign to Compound Records when he just started it. And he said no to a lot of people, but at the end of the event, he was like, look, just because I said no, all that means is that I didn't, I don't, I don't see the vision. Like, I don't see your dream. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It means I don't see it. And I think that part's important as well. So for everybody that sends in, like, a question about promotions and raises and should I leave, should I stay, just because you leave or just because it's not going to happen here or where you're at doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It could happen anywhere else, you know? Like you're going to get where you want to go if that's really where you want to be. If you're going to let one organization or one person define your success, even though you literally are just as deserving to be in your position as, as anybody else in your, in your position, then you're stopping yourself, essentially. So I would just, that's that positivity piece, inspirational messages. Like, you deserve to be where you are right now, and you have every right to climb higher than you are. So, I think that's it. I'm sure we could go for more, but that should I mean, be it because it's could. late and I'm tired. And I want to go home. Um, it's a long but episode. I appreciate y'all having me. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, it was I definitely. appreciate you standing with us. So Karina's not here, and that means that it's I just appreciate forever, it because forever. now the table is Uh-oh, stacked in the <laughs> other direction. Oh, with more men? I didn't even notice it. Look, it's over. It's over. It's always more women there. But, um, yeah, for those of you that enjoyed this episode or you didn't enjoy it or you want to share it or whatever, make sure you reach out to us on all the social platforms that we are available. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Mafa New York, at, at Mafa New York. Yeah, something like that. And you can also <laughs> reach out to us via email to send us your questions. Please send us some questions. Or just say hey or G-chat us even. That, that could be cool. We can take some G-chats. You can find us at Ask mixed company at gmail.com that's a-s-k-m-i-x-e-d-c-o-m-p-a-n-y at gmail.com we love hearing from y'all we love getting the questions we also love laughing at the questions before we start to air um i <laughs> mean i with do you, not at laughing you. with you unless yes. you're not laughing and then i'm definitely just laughing <laughs> at you no but yeah we look forward to hearing from you guys and um we'll talk to you on episode 13 Word. Thanks for having me, y'all. Bye. Definitely. Peace out.